following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-hosts, yes, both, the Cannonball, Alex Steele. Alex, how are you doing? Ev- Hi, everybody. <laughs> and, uh, also joining me in, t- in studio is over here with the bootleg better boots. Oh, man, how you doing? Yeah, we're, hey, conference championship weekend in the books. In the books. In the books, man, we're a week away from Super Bowl Sunday. I'm a week uh, away from my birthday. I'm, I'm starting to get uh, old, starting to get up there. You got to get up, get out, and get something. <laughs> Don't let the days of your life pass by. Oh, you need to get up, get out, and get something. Uh, I, Don't spend all your time trying to get high. Uh, <laughs> you need to get up, get out, and get something. Oh, How will you make it if you never even try? Uh, you need to get up, get out, and get something. Because you and I got to do for you and I. It was, uh, mm-hmm. that's Shout our, buddy, yeah, that's our uh, bootleg karaoke. And, uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think it's important to uh, highlight this milestone as well. I believe this is a, a full year of has passed since this triumvirate, you know, started this whole, not started, but continued this ridiculous ride known as the outside blitz. So uh, the triumvirate of the cannonball bootleg better and the, and the fabulous one. I think we've been doing this for a little over a year now. Yeah. Yeah. The three of us have been together for a year. I've been on this show obviously since the, uh, the, the very start, but uh, boots, you, you hit your one year anniversary with the show this week. Ah, you get your chip, right? I got. I didn't get a chance to get your cake, but ah. yeah, I know it makes you sad. But yeah, I'm sure you'll be okay <laughs> because uh, we have lots and lots of fun stuff to talk about. We've got Super Bowl Sunday on the way. We know the big showdown is getting ready to happen. The big game, as they everybody keeps referring to it as, and the, no, nobody just wants to say the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, we don't want to get right. sued. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the big game. Um, so we, we have that going on. Alex, uh, you know, you and I are getting ready to have a, a, a very fun-filled uh, couple of days up there in at, in your home there. So uh, I'm excited. We're going to be doing some pulled pork nachos, baby. I'm loving it. I'm super excited. Super yeah. excited. Well, cannot no. wait. I mean, that recipe for the for the beer smoked beer cheese you shared the other day, whew, it's tremendous. Uh, the, yeah, the cannonball compound is going to be jumping. <laughs> Yeah, and and you said Caribbean jerk ribs, I'm believing so. Yeah. Oh God damn. <sighs> Rub some uh, ribs down with some good uh, Caribbean jerk seasoning, right? Smoke mm. those boys and 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 put some uh, put some jerk sauce on there. Maybe mix that with a little barbecue sauce. See how it see how it goes. Do yeah. a little combo. Yeah, a little buddy. Combo sauce. Yeah, between, yeah, you buddy. know, Jerk barbecue sauce and see what see what happens. Yeah. See how wild we get. Woo! Yeah. I uh, see. I love Super Bowl food. Yeah, Super Bowl food. It's like, like like every year I do pulled pork because like pulled pork, even though it's a kind of a summer delicacy, like everybody loves barbecue. Right. Ain't nobody mad at barbecue ever. No, they like drop it on their white dress. Or something. Yeah, exactly. And and like pulled pork is one of those things where like you can make a massive amount of it. Yeah. And like everybody, you know, everybody's gonna get fed. 
everybody's going to get their fill. Everybody, and there's going to be leftovers. People are going to be happy that they have leftovers. Right. You know, I can take some. I can leave some for folks. Yeah, you know, I can. Yeah. I, can I can leave some. Like, I'm going to go up. I'm going to make two pork butts up there. I'm going to leave a little for Alex, take a little for myself. Say, yeah, one. buddy, that's it. <laughs> so, take that pork yeah, butt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we had conference championship weekend uh, come and go this past week, fellas. And we've got uh, just two games to, to go over this week. Uh, and, and we're going to be jumping into these right now. Mm. Fellas, are you ready? Let's get it. Let's get this over with. Spoiler alert. <laughs> hey, man, don't sound so down in the dump. <laughs> I, I, I sound a lot better than I did six days ago. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to rip this Band-Aid right off uh, mm-hmm. into it. Here are your scores for conference championship weekend, starting out with the Chiefs and the Ravens. The Chiefs beat the Ravens 17-10, to uh, probably one of the most flabbergasting games of the weekend. Yeah. It, well, you know, in one end, I understand Patrick Mahomes, the second. There, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes comes out and he does what Patrick Mahomes does. He had a very efficient game, 30 for 39, 241 and a touchdown. Isaiah Pacheco, violent running, doing what he usually does. 24 carries, 68 yards. He had a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, man, out of mm-hmm. nowhere, 11 receptions, 116 and a touchdown. You got to show off for your yeah. boot. The, yeah, right. This is this is. <laughs> Mahomes, this is playoff Kelsey. This is what we've grown to expect from these two. They come alive in the playoffs. God love it. And I also want to give give Andy uh, Reed. yeah playoff Andy Reid. These guys they they took it to the Baltimore Ravens. But the thing I have I, this is my issue with this game, and and I I have been bothered by it all week. Rex Ryan talked about it a little bit on in, on uh, his show. You know, look, how in the hell? And, and this is what bugs me about it. The first run that the Baltimore Ravens had with Gus Edwards, he went for 15 yards, yeah. right? They then proceeded to only run him two times after that point. Yeah. They threw the ball in this game 83% of the time. How do you throw the ball 83% of the time when you have the number one run defense or the number one uh, uh, running offense in the entire NFL? And then on top of it, what what even what got me even more about it? The Chiefs' passing defense is ranked second. Yeah. Their run defense is ranked seventeenth. Run the fucking football! <laughs> like I just I don't understand. I don't understand like like the logic, you know. And Lamar Jackson, like we 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 just got done talking about Drake May holding onto the ball forever in college, right? Mm-hmm. We we just talked about it. Lamar Jackson. Held onto that ball, and, and to his offensive line's credit, they really did a great job holding up. But Lamar Jackson, part. yeah, Lamar Jackson just held onto that ball forever. It's he like looking at him, he's, he looked like Shadur Sanders wanting to make the big play down the field, right? Every single time, yeah, with and avoiding seemingly just ignoring the underneath routes or just being able to take off and run with it and get seven, eight yards and slide. Let's keep this thing going. Right. And and there were occasions where, like, at one point he broke out of the pocket. He starts running. And, and I'm like, okay, just run. Just get your yards. And he's yeah. still trying to throw the ball downfield. What the fuck are you doing? Just run the ball. Like he's got something to prove. Yeah. like Right? I'm a pocket passer. I can pass. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I can throw just like Mahomes can't watch. Yeah. Right? It's, it's that 
mentality. And, and that's what <clears throat> happened when Greg Roman left as the offensive coordinator. It was, okay, well, Lamar's only going to run. He's a running quarterback. Well, they bring in Todd Mocking to bring more of a balance and especially to emphasize the passing game. Well, now it's time for me to be a passer, Lamar. Okay, yep. so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a passer. I'm going to be a pocket passer. I'm going to show all you guys. Well, this wasn't the time to show all us guys. Right, and it wasn't. <laughs> Sure as hell wasn't the time to have Lamar Jackson throwing the ball 37 times right. in this football game. Yeah. To have Lamar Jackson throwing the ball 37 times in a football game. It doesn't make sense. You should have ran that football. You don't run the ball, what, let's see, a, a grand total of, of like, what, eight times? Yeah. Eight times you ran the ball with your skill position players. And this is with your um, <coughs> Coach uh, Harbaugh. Should have gotten on Monk and said, "No, yeah, no, I don't know what you call. I don't care what you call. You're not you're running the ball. Yeah, yeah, flat out. Do what we needed. We're running the football. Number that's our identity. You don't change who you are. You can adjust what you do yeah. when it comes to the playoffs, right? But you don't change who you are. And and that's my problem with this this game plan here. You know, like I I don't <laughs> understand what Baltimore was doing. And to their credit, to their credit." Second half, the Hill Kansas City no points on the defensive side of the ball. The defense did their job in this game. They did, yep. and and, and the, just the offense was not playing complimentary football. And and Patrick Mahomes got away with one. And and they they went up and they put seventeen. I mean, come on, now. come on. He's Patrick Mahomes the second, multiple Super Bowl victories, multiple Super Bowl appearances. He didn't get away with one. Uh, he got away with one here. He got away with one. <laughs> Well, yeah. th- this is this is not. Uh, I mean, yes, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs—they had a stellar. You know, they had playoff football. That's what we expect from them. But we expected a much more sterling performance from Baltimore, since they were the best team in football, statistically and on the outside looking in. And just seeing all this going on. It's it's just absolutely, and I think the point was made. I think somebody made a comment. I'm not. I don't remember who it was, but this was an immature loss by the Baltimore Ravens. They got themselves too pumped up, and they didn't realize that they had one of the modern day goat on the other side of the field. They didn't have. They had. They didn't realize they had Travis Kelsey on the other side of the field. They said, "Oh, you know, we'll, we'll handle this," and then they they proceeded, you know, not run the football. What? What? What are we doing? And and the and uh, the the guy who said that it was an emotionally immature loss by Baltimore. It was our, our good friend Craig Hickey, who's who is and shout out to him. Uh, he he was a hundred percent right on that. You have Zay Flowers doing these silly things. You know he makes this great catch. Oh yeah, down the field, and then he spins shoves the ball, spins the guy, shoves the ball, gets a taunting call, loses fifteen yards. So you you gain thirty, but you lost half of it. But it just, it was silly shit like that. Where you see Lamar (laughs) slamming his helmet. They showed that, they showed that replay a few times. Right. When Lamar Jackson slams his helmet on the ground, showing the emotional immaturity as alluded to by Mr. Hickey. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something that, that we continue to see, you know, uh, uh, from this Baltimore team. They're young. Most of them, and it's funny, they have the oldest, the most elderly defense in the league. Yeah, but but the defense wasn't the ones being immature. It was the offense that yeah. this young offense that was struggling and being immature with their with I mean how they handled the passing game instead yeah. of taking the underneath routes, trying to play hero ball, 
you yeah, know, all this uh, other yeah. shit that we, it was, it was nonsense. Zay Flowers goes out, he, he drops a fumble at the one, you know. Yes. Kind of, that, like, at that point, I was like, oh. Yeah. That, those are the kind of plays that, you know, to kind of bar, to kind of borrow a term, shoot off your kneecaps, not right. bite them off, shoot them off. Right. Then that's what they did. They shot themselves in the foot, and then and then we we wonder why uh, Baltimore is is currently eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, it, it should be no wonder at this point. I, I I look at the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't score in the second half. The offense w- was pretty inefficient in the second half. But. However. Yep. Here comes the slow clap award for Mr. Marquez Valdez Cantley one more time. <laughs> Again, when they needed it. Yep. Yes. Feel the game, the dagger throw from Mahomes to Valdez Cantley <clears throat> falling on his onto his back. On his back, yep. Mump bobbling the whole way, but he caught the ball to close it out for the Chiefs. Give it up for Marquez Valdez Cantley one more time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just goes to show again it's like what do we keep saying on this show you know week after week you know when it comes to Lamar and when it comes to not cutting time this guy has proven time and again he's not that dude yeah and, and look at what and on that Valdez Scantling throw yeah Got to give it up to Patrick Mahomes on that throw too, because yeah. I, I mean he he led him in, he in the most beautiful way. He did because even though he had to, to turn around, the the, the uh, corner had him beat. He did. If he if he throws a dart there, that's a pick. If he but because he lofted it up and, and kind of I, I mean it was almost like I mean a straight up straight down type of like punt throw almost. Yeah. It was it was wild, and it can't it comes right down in MBS's arms. Patrick Mahomes makes a beautiful throw on that. He, he really did put a great, great touch on that ball. And Mahomes also, he ran the ball. You, we don't think of him as a runner because right. he doesn't run a lot, but he can. And he still has the athletic ability and the mobility to move. And while he's not going to blaze past you, right. right? He's not the the runner that Lamar is. He is an effective runner, and he effectively ran multiple times to keep the drive going. And, uh, and make manageable third and fourth down convert. Right. And, and it, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, this is this is them in the playoffs. This is the Kansas City Chiefs team that I think, is, I mean, when they hit their stride, they, this is where they hit their stride at the right time. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, dangerous is all hell. They, they're always dangerous, but yeah. now this is where they're at their peak of, of you yeah. know, because danger here. They've been here before. <clears throat> yeah. They've oh, seen, yeah. seen it. So, you know, and, and, the, and one last thing I'll say about Lamar. I give him a lot of you know junk because I haven't seen it when it came when it comes down to it. A, a, an amazing season by Lamar Jackson, the best season that I've seen him have. Right, but I had not seen him have that that game. Right, right. Where here we go? What are you doing? Type of game, and and it happened at the wrong time. Right, and um, and I and that's so that's all credit you know to Lamar Jackson. And and that's true. I I look at Lamar and and I see a guy that. He was really trying to, to force passes, really trying. I mean, at one point he forced a really ugly throw into triple yeah, coverage. It was it was just uh, as soon as he threw it, and and I didn't even I I saw the corners back up. Yeah. I saw him threw it over the middle of the field. The the ball got to probably about two inches from his hand, coming out of his hand, and and I said that's about to be a pick. 
because I saw where the safeties went. I saw where the corners went. You, you just saw how everybody backed up into coverage yeah. and how they were covering. And I'm like, that's about to be a pick. He forced that ball. And sure as shit, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's just Lamar throwing the football. You don't have him throw the ball 37 times. You want him to play mm-hmm. hero ball. He can play hero ball, but you need to have him play hero ball correctly. I also, and, and we, we, we can fault Lamar all day long. But as much as as much credit as we've given Todd Monken all year long, we have to go ahead and condemn him for this because at the end of the day, this was a Todd Monken play call situation, yeah. and Tom it was the most dumb game plan I've seen in a long time. Outright stupid. It was stupid. Maybe you were trying to outthink the other guy. I guess maybe. You- and oh. you thought too hard. It's like <laughs> if you know what works, go with what works. Yeah, and and one thing I I noticed about uh, there were a lot of occasions where Lamar could have taken off. He really could have. And and we, we could have seen trade la- trademark Lamar, yeah. right? And and there, there were a lot of occasions where that was going on. And, and yeah, Lamar is, is at fault for hanging on to that ball forever and trying to force that ball downfield into tight windows that he just couldn't hit and that the coverage was just all over. Triple coverage, pick, you know? I mean, ugly things like that. But then there's those moments where I asked, you know, Todd Monken, where are the design runs for Lamar? Where are those? Where are those uh, moments where you're running the football with Gus Edwards, who put up a gain of 15 on his first run from the game? Like, like, <laughs> why why aren't you utilizing Gus Edwards? I mean, I could do without Justice Hill. It's but, the Marshawn Lynch effect. Remember, right? I, it's, yes. What are we in Seattle? <sighs> yeah. You know what is it with birds and not using running backs? I don't get. It. But at the end of the day, the Kansas City Chiefs are the AFC champions. They advanced to the Super Bowl. They have showdown. With the next team that won, it brings us to our NFC title game. The Detroit Lions drop a heartbreaker uh, to San Francisco Niners. Uh, the Niners win this one 34-31 in uh, a huge comeback. Boots, I'm going to throw this one your way first and let you kind of do what you got to do. We'll go to Alex, and then I'll take this uh, the, the final uh, jump on this one. Oh, boy. I'll just, I'll just say this. The Detroit Lions... Uh, played one of the all-time great seasons that I've ever seen in Detroit. I've been mm-hmm. Michigan since 1986, and this is the best I've seen the Detroit Lions play 30-plus years. He deserve all of the credit in the world, Dan Campbell, and that staff from going from three wins to nine wins to 14 wins. You know, that's not an accident. Um, The NFL does not pick your opponents out of a hat, right? It's not like you can say, I'm only going to play against, uh, I don't want to play against the 5-8 and team this week. Give us an 8-5 team, right, to prove ourselves. You you play and you win or lose based on the merit of your play. And the Detroit Lions have won a lot of games based on the merit of their play. Strong defense, or excuse me, strong running game has has powered the way with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Uh, one of the best offensive lines in the game has also led the way. You've got mm-hmm. a back who with uh, veteran experience, with a, an, a, a, an ability to get some of the best out of his teammates and lead the team. Um, you've got Receivers who work extremely hard and are extremely talented. 
And the defense, <coughs> while it has not been, it's been a, a work in progress over the last few seasons, they've improved in areas that we remember them just being just garbage in. So hats off to the Detroit Lions for this season. No matter who tells you what, you deserve every bit of success that you had this season. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, and uh, to kind of like piggyback off of that, um, 100%, you know, they have improved their situation. You know, these are not the Lions we knew from the mid-2000s. This is not the 0-16 team. But there's also you, there's a bunch of stuff we have to consider. The defense has been suspect all season long. And we have, we have said that, you know, when I was sitting on the boat and was watching this game unfold, first it was complete jubilation. We were bullying the San Francisco 49ers by running Montgomery and Gibbs. And Jamison Williams ripped off a 42-yard run and broke tackles and got into the end zone. That first touchdown, you knew you were in for something special. And, you know, it was at the end of the half, it was 21-7. It was 24-7. And, you know, hats off to Christian McCaffrey. He was the guy that... You know, scored that touchdown in the first half, and we've said all year Chris McCaffrey's one of the best, if not the best, running back in the game, uh, at least on the NFC side. But the thing that gets me is that when I first saw this game, I blame I said this: Dan Campbell cost us a trip to the Super Bowl, and I've had six days to ruminate and think about this, and. Dan Campbell is not is not entirely at fault, but he is also not blameless. There were a couple of heinous drops by some of the most by the most reliable receivers we've had on our team. Josh Reynolds dropped two very critical passes on third down. There was an absolutely ridiculous like this is like you can't script this, you can't predict this. A, a ball falls out of the air, bounces off of a defender's helmet, and Brandon Ayuk is there to catch it. That's just heads-up football. You know, <clears throat> you have the opportunity to, to take a, twi- you know, you have the opportunity to take, uh, you know, to, to, to close the lead out or to keep continue to score points, but you go for it on fourth down because you have a bad kicker. More on that in a minute. You feel like you have a bad kicker, or you you have enough faith in your offense to get it done, but he, he fails two times. I did say he's nothing if not consistent, because there have been there have been head coaches in the past on this team who went for it and failed, and then kicked the field goal afterwards, and they still ended up chasing points. We've always said field goals get you beat, you know, but. It, it, Ultimately, what happened here was, again, this was another immature loss. Here's why I say that. C.J. Gardner-Johnson waving goodbye to the fans in the first half. You know, Dan Campbell decided to, you know, relax a little bit. You know, it's 24-7. They have a three-touchdown lead. You know, we we can relax a little bit, you know. And then they basically took their foot off the gas. 
So this this was a team effort. And Boots, you put it you put it very succinctly. If the Detroit Lions win this game, they deserve to win. If they lose this game, they deserve to lose, and they one hundred percent deserved to lose because. They, they they stuck they didn't get back to the running game they did like just like Baltimore we found something that worked against this vaunted San Francisco defense in the first half and you know and then we decided when they started coming back after the Gibbs fumble and the momentum really shifted Dan Campbell was in panic mode and again the emotional support coach strikes again and Ben Johnson really couldn't bail him out. You know, or, or tried to, well, he tried to, but his players weren't there to get it done. So, you know, with, and so with that sentiment, I yield my time and here to take the final victory lap, which he's been salivating over for the past six days. The flat, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, the floor is yours. Well, let me, let me, uh, I'll let our uh, boots here finish your here. Yeah. Ben Johnson has had struggles. In the third quarter, yeah, named the turn all year long. The, the third quarter's been the worst quarter for the Lions all season long. So you know, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on Ben Johnson. Maybe you know, no, Ben Johnson's not at fault at all. You know, I, I have no problem with him, and I'm I'm super glad he's coming back next year. Me too. But I will say this: when I was saying earlier, some teams adjust what they do in the playoffs. The Lions they stayed with who they were, right? And live or die, we gonna do it. Yeah. And so I gotta respect that about Campbell. Right. So here's my takeaways. Gosh, hold on, man. Let me. We're gonna. We're gonna. Yep. Yep. I'm. I'm set. Let's break out. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Now listen. The Detroit Lions this year. I have been proclaiming them as fool's gold. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at one, and I, I, I believed, and I, I still do believe that they had and still have all of you fooled. Okay. And at one point during this football game, they even had me fooled. Okay. Mm-hmm. For the hat. They even had me fooled. Because I was over here going, man, this Lions team is tearing up this 49ers squad. Yep. And they were. And they were early on. But here's here's the thing about what transpired during this football game. Alex, you say that they abandoned the run. I saw something different. Every time that they tried to run the football in the second half, Montgomery and Gibbs got swallowed. And the reason is the San Francisco 49ers throughout the whole first half of this game were playing deep cover two zone, seven to eight yards off the ball. I was calling yep. it as it was happening. I was messaging you guys going, I don't understand why the Niners are playing all this zone. The Niners adjusted. And what I've been saying all year, the Detroit Lions are great against zone coverage. They're terrible against man coverage. And that goes for Sam Laporta. That goes for Amon Ross St. Brown. That goes for Josh Reynolds. That goes for Khalif Raymond. That goes for any one of those guys. They're terrible against man. And if you apply pressure to Jared Goff, he struggles. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw in this football game in the second half. You saw, uh, second half, Sam Laporta, non-existent. Amon Ross St. Brown. They, they And the Lions should be ashamed of themselves in this one. Because Amon Ross St. Brown, they, the, the, the Niners took the, the same... Ex- exact 
way that the Lions shut down Justin Jefferson every time they play him with that bracket coverage. That's what they did to Amon Ross St. Brown. They took the Lions bracket coverage and used it against him. And the Lions had no answer. Amon Ross St. Brown didn't have a catch in the second half until six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like that, mm. that should tell you something about how the Niners adjusted. And, and that's true. And the Lions couldn't handle it. When it came to nut cutting time, we talk about mm. nut time, they couldn't handle it. And and look, I've, I've said this team was fool's gold all year, right? Mm. Let me ask you, and, and I'll, t- I'll, I'll even just say it. We're, you, you beat one team over nine and eight this year, and they were a faux nine. They were a faux ten and seven team, Rams team. That if they play starters versus starters against the Niners in Week 18, winds up nine and eight. So truly, to me, you didn't beat a team over nine and eight this year. And I'm supposed to sit here and claim that this team is incredible. No, I'm not. And then we talk about Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta. Everything that I said about this football team going into this game came true. Every bit of it. Jameer Gibbs, yeah, he had a touchdown, but what did he have in it? 3.8 average in this game? 38 yards. 3.8 times 3. Terrible, terrible fumble. Key fumble. Yep. I mean, and, and, I, and last four games, Jameer Gibbs, sub-4 average. Four out of the last five, sub-4 average. I mean, like, I'm, I'm supposed to sit here and pretend like he's a world beater. Sam Laporta, I've been saying, he's great against zone, not against man. Sam Laporta, great in the first half when the Niners are playing deep cover two zone. Sam Laporta, terrible in the second half when they go to man coverage and start blitzing the quarterback. I mean, like, these are the things I'm talking about. They even said on a, on a broadcast, it was hilarious. I, I've been saying it all year and everybody's been acting like I'm crazy. But they even said it on the broadcast. The Detroit Lions throw underneath more than any other team in the NFL and have done so this year. And I pointed it out, and everybody looked at me like I was nuts. But it's the truth. It's the strength of theirs. Yeah, and then there's nothing wrong with it being a strength of theirs. I'm just pointing it out that Laporta can't function versus man coverage, and it's been proven, and nobody wants to hear it. Everybody wants to give the guy his flowers and proclaim him as the second coming. And that's fine. You want to do that. And that's not to say Sam Laporta can't develop. That's not to say Sam Laporta can't learn and learn how to be good against man. Okay? Mm-hmm. But most of his yardage, most of his his uh, production has been against deep zone where he's catching the ball one to five yards from the line of spirit. It's just the fact. And it, that's exactly what happened in this 49ers game. Everything that I said about this Lions team that was bad and that and and everything that I said was overrated about this Lions team reared its ugly head, and you got to see it. This secondary, a terrible secondary, got shredded, and, and thankfully we all agree on that. Terrible yep. secondary, right? And then going over to the Niners, let's talk about him. We got to give mm-hmm. the, the one guy we got to give his flowers, even though the stat line wasn't incredible in boots. I know you're not sold on him, but Brock Purdy, give the man his flowers, for Christ's sake. He, he went out and, and had three key runs in this game for 52 yeah. yards on key drives, three key first downs. I mean, yep. He, they're, they're, we've well, seen it all year where you know, the pocket starts to collapse around the quarterback and then, then the parts like the Red Sea and then all of a sudden quarterback takes off. We've seen it several, several times throughout the season and we saw it several times during this game. Yep, and, and three weeks in a row, uh, Brock Purdy has has made key plays, key runs to extend drives, or two weeks in a row rather, three uh, key plays, key runs 
to, to extend drives and extend games and keep his team in football teams in, in football games in nothing time. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. And, and Christian McCaffrey, we know Christian McCaffrey's doing Christian McCaffrey things. That's just what happens, yep. you know. But the Lions, and, and another thing that, that popped up, okay, Brock Purdy takes off for all these runs, uh, these these unscripted runs that he, he produces, and why did he have the ability to do so? Because the Lions don't have a fucking pass rush. And nope. it's something I've been talking about all year long, that they had the opportunity to draft Jalen Carter seventh overall. They didn't yep. draft Carter seventh overall. They backed up. They wound up with Jameer Gibbs, who gave you 38 yards and a fucking fumble in nut cutting time in the NFC Championship game when it mattered most. Uh, and instead, you uh, didn't have your pass rusher and Jalen Carter to go and get and stop a guy like Brock Purdy from running all over the place. And Ali McNeil, you know, he's had a great year. But let's be real. Everything that I said about this team came true. Everything. And everybody looked at me like I was nuts. Everybody did. But I'm going to take my victory lap here because this is no different than 2011. It's no different than 2014. And then they even had an easy schedule of the playoffs going all the way to the NFC Championship game. And credit to the Lions for exposing the zone coverage looks that the Niners were doing. But the fact that the Niners were had it so easy to the point where they walked into halftime and went, I'm switching the, over to man coverage and I'm going to go out and I'm going to blitz the quarterback and harass Goff. Hey, you know what? And the Lions couldn't adjust. They got outscored in the second half, 27-7. to Could you imagine if the Niners had continued doing man coverage all game long? Oh, no. We, it, would, it would have been terrible. And, and to their credit, too, Mike Shanahan is one of the, most, is one of the craftiest coaches in football. And the or- Niners organization is one of the best organizations in football. They signed, Ch- they they got Chase Young right at the trade deadline. You know, uh, they have one of the best defenses in football. So you know, we went up. We didn't go up just against a good team. We went up against a good organization that knows how to knows how to adjust when they need to adjust. And, and also, I, and, uh, you and, act like they lost thirty-four, thirteen. No, no, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna point out the fact this, that this all and, came down and, to the last and bit of the game. And let's also, oh yeah, that, there's, there's more on that too. It, it I to go bit. ahead. It didn't come down to the last bit because at the end of the day, they were down ten with with yep. one minute left. I mean, and then if you look at at uh, um, uh, the the Lions' coaching situation, Dan mm. Campbell, he deserves a ton of blame. Take your fucking points. And yeah, hundred percent. There was also a point in the game where, like, he, he they ran the ball to try to get into the end zone, and they chewed up clock. They had to they had to burn a timeout. You know, in two minute in the two minute drill, what are you doing? You're passing the ball and and trying to stop the clock as much as possible. And so that that's where that was re- that was truly egregious. So you get to a point where, you know, you're ten point. You're down ten. You know, th- that last touchdown was a garbage time touchdown, you know, and, and you, you have to rely on an onside kick to possibly get the ball back. And, and the onside kick is, is such a low percentage play at this point. And on top of it, OK, take your fucking points. You, you're being forced to throw the ball to Josh Reynolds. But if you have a kicker in Michael Badgley, who if you don't trust your kicker to make a 48 yard field goal, then he doesn't belong on a fucking football team. If you have a professional kicker signed to a deal 
and you don't trust him to make a 48-yard field goal, get them the hell off the field. I sit there and wonder why guys like Rodrigo Blankenship are still sitting on free agency when you don't trust a guy like Michael Badgley to go make a 48-yard field goal. Why just sign him in the first place when Patterson was when Riley Patterson was struggling? Why'd you get Michael Badgley when he was the guy you cut originally? Yep. And and I sit here and, and I struggle to figure that out. I don't understand. And 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 also TJ Gardner Johnson, guess what? Guess who got his ass kicked in this game? CJ Gardner Johnson. Exceptions for 89 yards. I'll say this. This is the only thing, the only thing that I agree with you about with this game and with and with this Detroit Lions team. CJ Gardner Johnson, shut up. Yeah, he does need to shut up. I, mm-hmm. I agree with you one thousand percent. All this other stuff. You've been talking about nah. It's the, the truth. Detroit Lions nah. The, they, the, they put look, forth all the effort, all the, the training. I'm not gonna just disrespect and, and not credit them for what they've accomplished as as a team and as in individuals. Cannot do that. I can't. That would Bo- be- both sides of this argument make total <laughs> sense. Yes, the Lions have made strides. Yes, the Niners were playing deep zone. They just, they they transitioned to man. Both of these arguments make total sense. It, you know, but here's the problem. They lost to a better team. Well, here's the problem. You 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 can say the the numbers don't lie. You can say it's dishonest, but the numbers don't lie. And and in this situation, when they, did they? How many teams they beat over nine and eight? Really, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, 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 the, I have a. The only problem I have with that argument, real quick, is like we didn't know they were going to be nine and eight till the end of the season. What did we talk about? Like how. Um, uh, like some some of these teams, we thought that we thought that we thought the Rams were going to be like five and eleven or five and sixteen or something. Hold on, you, you, first of all, you only play who you play is a fucking cop out. No, it, it is. It's a, a cop out. It's, it's a, a cop out. It doesn't change that you played soft teams. It doesn't change. I don't care if it's the schedule. Not. It doesn't change that you played soft teams. It doesn't change. All right. So we're not going to play a, a five and eight team this week. We're going to play against an eight five team. Look at look Make at the call to Roger Goodell. Change the game for look us. At, look at the Vikings schedule. Look worked, at the Vikings but. schedule from last year. The Vikings schedule from last year, they played a bunch of soft teams. They went into the playoffs, and what happened? They lost to the Giants. This is what happens. So they, this, It happens all you, the time. You, you see bad, you, you, you see, you play. but you to, to ignore you, it. You'd be glad, you're glad to, that they made the playoffs. To ignore though. it and to, uh, look, my bar is a Super Bowl. I don't know about anybody. Oh, yeah. Okay, but but at the end of the day, you're happy with every victory that the Vikings. Get, my goal, my ball. I want a Super Bowl. And yeah, you know, but I'm still happy with every victory, the, right? You're happy with a victory, but unless you win the last game of the year, nobody gives a shit. And at the end of the day, so when, you're happy with the victory. But at the end of the day, when you get to the playoffs and you lose to the Niners, and look, we see it all the time. We see this type of the Bucks. The Bucks are a great example. Bucks went to the playoffs. They were nine and eight. That they, they won their division, but they're in the worst fucking division in football. Yep, and and they beat the Eagles, which were a clown car dr- driving into the season. Right, I, I mean division of football, but the Falcons and Saints still almost made the playoffs. Worst division in football. The Saints and the Falcons almost made the play. I'm just all I'm saying is, you can only play who you play. But if you if you win those games, 
then you won those games because these are all NFL professional teams. And that's a cop out too. That's because not it a cop is. out. Because it's at that, real. At that it's point, it's real because you play who no, you play. If you win the game, then you win the game. Look, if you lose the game, then you lose the game. Look, they won those games. Look, they go. You, you're going to sit there and tell me, oh well, they're all professional players. Well, get like there's not bad teams in professional sports. I just watched the Detroit Pistons lose what thirty in a row in a professional. Of course, sport. The, they're all. Of course, there's bad teams. How I, I watched the Carolina Panthers go two and fifteen this year. I mean, there there's bad teams in professional sports, and the bottom of course. Line, the end of the day, them too. the bad news, the, the reality is, at the end of the day, when the lion, you look at the Lions' schedule, they didn't beat anybody good in this league. They did. How many good teams are they there in football? Good. Like, when, when we started this season, the, 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 it was the Niners, the Eagles, and the Cowboys on the NFC side. Everybody else was either mid or garbage, and the AFC is as as forever in a day been the more competitive conference of the two. But again. You can only play who you play. You either win or lose based on your merits in the game. And, and they won the vast majority of those games. And I get that, but they only played bad teams. Only, That's the problem. Only and and they, they did. They, right. and, and anytime they faced All anybody right. good, anytime they faced Baltimore, anytime they faced... Right. Anytime they play Dallas, Seattle when they face make the playoffs, when they, when they face Green Bay, when they face a, a streaky Green Bay team, when Green they, Bay made the playoffs, they, they played a streaky, a streaky the Cowboys, a streaky uh, uh, Chicago team. Guess what? Cowboys, the, the Chicago damn near made the playoffs. I mean, look, look at seven and ten. Come on, they're eight. I mean, it, it, the, the NFC North was up in the air till like that the, till the first Minnesota Vikings game. Honestly. Look, and, and you almost lost to the Vikings with twelve fucking starters missing, and I'm supposed to and I'm supposed to sit here and pretend like they're world beaters. I'm sorry, I can't live in fantasy land with everybody else and pretend like this team is is some years. And and have they improved? Sure. Do certain games in this schedule in yesteryear would they lose some of these games? Sure, I'll readily admit that. But at the end of the day, and this is no different. Than in 2014 and 2011, where they didn't beat a single fucking team over eight and eight, they, it's just the fact. And they, they, and a lot of people are going to try and stand on the shoulders of that Chiefs win from week one. And I'm going, you faced a Chiefs team that didn't have a bunch of starters on the field, including their two of their biggest stars. And I'm mm-hmm. going to want to sit here and pretend like they're they're setting the world ablaze. Kadarius Tony was a number one receiver in that game. You know, like uh, I don't know why. Right. And, and, and I, I'm over here going, am I supposed to sit here and believe that this Lions team is for real? <laughs> and then I've been saying it all year, and everybody wants to treat me like I'm a crazy person, and that's fine. But the reality is they didn't beat anybody good, and then this game was the most epic collapse. I haven't, And I've said it to you guys already. I haven't seen a lion fall off a cliff this bad since Mufasa. Okay? It was... <laughs> Yeah. And and uh, it w- it was truly bad. Like I, this is probably like the top five like most staggering collapse. Like the like twenty twenty, they started against the Bears twenty three to six, and the Bears smoked them in the fourth quarter. This was worse. Like I've never seen a team up twenty four seven and get and have twenty seven unanswered points dropped on them. And granted, it's because of what you said of the adjustments. From zone to man, and of course you have Debo Samuel, and you have Brandon Ayuk, you have Juwan Jennings, you have George Kittle, and Brock Purdy. The weak link in the chain was able to be protected enough to stay to keep the chain together. And also, uh, 
Uh, one one guy I will give credit to on this Lions team, or especially early on in the game, on the Jameer Gibbs touchdown, I will give Sam Laporta his flowers for that because he put a beautiful block out there. That was a beautiful block wow. on that on that Thank touchdown play. Th- he thanks you. <laughs> <laughs> so you know he's you know and like I said, this team has room to improve. You know, we're, we're going into another draft. The draft's going to be in Detroit. So let's see. You know, we get, we have Ben Johnson back in the fold. I mean, Campbell's going to gamble. He's not going to get away from that. Fine, whatever. But let, let's see what this draft brings us. Can we learn from the mistakes of this past draft and get the tech, get the defensive players we need? Can we get our corners? Can we, can we put ourselves in a position to where we can go, okay, let's go up against some of these other teams? People just act like James Houston is a piece of trash. Dude broke his ankle in the second week of the year. <laughs> mm-hmm. And been seen all season. Yeah. But last year, he was tearing apart teams he was. on the other side of Hutchinson. He was. But, you know, he's just garbage. Look, ah. look I, I think I think when, when people knew that James Houston was out... And, and yeah. James Houston, I mean, this was a long-term ankle injury that he's had. Yeah. Uh, I think when people realized he was out, a lot of folks were like, well, we need to make a move for a pass rusher. And they didn't. I think a lot of folks, I, I, something tells me that the Lions sort of expected either Anzalone or, uh, and, and we saw uh, so flashes last year from Rodriguez last year, who yeah. I, I thought was going to be something really incredible. Mm-hmm. And they didn't utilize him in that pass rushing scheme like I thought they were going to as, as a right. really powerful edge rusher. Yeah, that could be... Aaron Glenn's fault. Yeah, and and Aaron Glenn, I I think as as far as being a coordinator, I don't think Aaron Glenn's that that good of a coordinator. I'm surprised that that honestly, you know, like I get it. You, you made the NFC title game, so you're going to retain a job. Like I get it. I, I I'm I'm two ways on Aaron Glenn. You know, for, on the one hand, if a lot of people have been calling for his head. On the other hand, he didn't have the personnel to really stack up. You know, his secondary was non-existent. You gotta remember, Garner Johnson got hurt earlier in the year. Most yep. supposedly injured, so a lot of that was, you know, by this. Like, this is. I'm sorry, we've had some injuries, and there's uh, a little bit more of a learning curve for some of these guys coming in those backup roles that right. we maybe didn't expect. Right, so you could, you know, blame the front office for not having enough depth in certain positions mm-hmm. and getting where it needed to be. But I believe they were all in on the offense, and they were rolling and we saw the results of that offense all season long yep. and even in this game put up 31 points like dude they didn't just get ran out of Levi's Stadium well, right and they I, gave they gave San Francisco a heck of a game I, I think my my issue with with the Lions and this has been my issue with them as far as like offensively <clears throat> we we've talked about how they're great against zone, they're bad against man, and that's that's been the one thing I've been pointing out here uh, consistently. I think the only guy that really can beat man on that offense, truly beat man, is Amon Ross St. Brown, best route runner on the team. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you look at like what he when they bracketed him, it was okay. We're going to go to Reynolds. We saw the two key drops, which uh, just I, I was like, oh my god, he dropped that. I can't. And he was low drop. A couple do. Yep, and JMO, you know, everybody keeps. And how about not go for a flea flicker a second time if you didn't get the first? Oh, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, yep. right. <laughs> uh, Brandon Ayuk deserves a lot of credit for the circus catch that went off Vildor's helmet. I, I mean, he deserves. I mean, yes, you you can't can't script yeah. that. How do, yeah, how can you possibly? I mean, that <laughs> Brock Purdy 
And, and to Brock Purdy's credit, the Niners really bounces off of your helmet. No, it's no helmet this time. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I, and Brock Purdy and, and company. I mean, they they did what they were supposed to do. Purdy went out. He hit IU for a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey, twenty carries, ninety yards, two touchdowns. He didn't have a really incredible average in this game, but that's kind of what we expected. The Lions' run defense, to their credit, has been good primarily because McNeil is a hell of a space eater. He's been quietly one of those unsung heroes on that defense this yes. year. Um, and, and we've seen that. And I'll say this about Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Brock. I'll say this. My man never did any of this at Iowa State. Nope. So I have never been convinced. Right. So now I'm seeing a little bit more. Okay, now show me the next trick. And, 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 and I'll, you know, we'll go from there. But he's, but I'll tell you this. Start slow against Kansas City if you want to in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, start I think slow if you want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a smart idea. But one one thing that that if if they want to start slow on the offensive side of the ball, as far as like kind of like you know running that ball a lot, that yeah. would probably be the smart move. You know, hey Baltimore, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, run the ball. That's how you. That's how you're going to beat Kansas City. But uh, the Niners, they go out and pull this one out, 34-31. The Lions are eliminated from the playoffs. The Niners move on to the Boulder versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Last thing I'll say, Jameer Gibbs is a top 100 NFL player. I promise you. Well, yeah, he'll be in the top 100. He'll wind up as a top 100. I mean, that's that's 100 fucking players. I'm not mad at that. Uh, I wouldn't be <laughs> at all. But. Uh, Oh my God. Hey, listen. He hasn't been good for the games, but I digress. Now, uh, for this, now moving into our predictions for Super Bowl Sunday. Now, prediction-wise, this has gotten officially. Uh, this one's kaput here. I am officially the Pick'em champion for the year at 175, 109, and oh, uh, it could go up or down at this point, you know. But uh, ultimately, I am the, the Pick'em champion. Alex 173, 111, and oh, Boots 172, 112, and oh. Um, so, and, yep. So we had a, we actually had ourselves a pretty tight thing going on. Boots, with man, I got to tell you, you were down ten at one point. And you came just fucking roaring back uh-huh. <laughs> in the back half of the season. I was like, damn. But uh, man, you came you came firing through. Uh, but yeah, ultimately it it's ultimately goes to the Freight yeah. the Freytown Island. Yep, I am uh, yeah, Freytown yeah. Island has the has the trophy coming back to the <laughs> island there. So uh, I am the champion this year. Uh, moving into our Super Bowl prediction though, let's talk about this game. I think that this game is gonna be uh gonna be kind of like both these teams have deficiencies, um, mm-hmm. and, and both these teams—they're they're both good teams. Both have deficiencies. San Francisco likes to play a lot of zone coverage, and you know Patrick Mahomes is not going to have any problem exposing that, especially with Travis Kelsey on the field. Um, the Chiefs have a problem uh, run defense-wise; that they, they have not been good defending against the run, 17th in the league this year. Whereas, you know, against the pass, they're tremendous. Brock Purdy is probably not going to be able to throw the ball very effectively in this game. Yeah, it's going to be. It. Yeah, and and you know Christian McCaffrey's just going to have his way. Um, and and right now we've got a, a few things going on. I mean, you got you know Joe Tooney right now, or Tooney, Tooney, whatever the hell you want to call him. You're missing the Super Bowl, uh, you know, with due to injuries. So I mean, he might miss the Super Bowl. George Kittle, you know, he was sitting out of practice this week with a toe injury. So we're, we're going to be dealing with some of that. But, um, you know, we, we're going to kind of monitor it a little bit, but we, we don't know, you know, what's going to happen there. But at the end of the day, um, injury report-wise, moving uh, three Chiefs are listed as questionable. Uh, so, and, and this was one that, that uh, 
after the AFC title game, and, and I was going to jump into this in our news section, Charles Amenehu is out with a knee injury. He tore his ACL in the AFC title game, which is a big loss at defensive end. Uh, Joe Thune out with a pectoral injury, or he's questionable uh, with the pectoral injury. But uh, Pacheco, he's been limited in practice or not practicing um, so all week long, but he's, he's trending toward playing. Chris Jones, uh, he had a quad injury at defensive tackle. He didn't practice on Wednesday, but he's been playing, uh, practicing limited all week. So, you know, he's trending in the right direction. Uh, the rest of the guys, though, I mean, you look at uh, uh, Rashi Rice. He had an, a- an ankle deal. He's had full practices. Valdez Scantling, oblique, full full practice. Blaine Gabbard, oblique, full practice. Willie Gay, neck, full, uh, he had limited practice on Wednesday. Full practice all rest of the week. Drew Tranquil, full practice. So, I mean, that you you got most of the Chiefs on board here, but a few key ones. Joe, Joe Thune and, and you're looking at uh, who are the two big ones right now yeah. uh, that they're down. Yeah, they're selling a little bit. Yeah, as for the Niners, George Kittle hasn't practiced all week long uh, with that toe injury. So, we've been uh, kind of seeing what's going on with that. Eric Armstead also uh, he's got a knee and foot injury. He had a full practice on Wednesday, but didn't practice Thursday and Friday. I'm assuming because he practiced on Wednesday, it's probably for rest. Uh, Oren Burks has a shoulder injury, the linebacker for the Niners. He's been limited all week. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the one that uh, uh, laid out or tried to lay out Laporta and, and, yeah. and got up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Laporta buddy. was stronger than he thought. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. he went, he hit, he dropped him, but then he came to the sidelines with that arm hanging, and I was messaging you guys going, Oh, I know what that looks like. I have a history of shoulder injuries. I know all about that. Um, Ambry Thomas, the corner, uh, he has an ankle injury. He's been limited in practice all week. That's a big one. Trent Williams, he's just been resting all week. Uh, he had a full practice Wednesday. He didn't practice Thursday. He had a full practice Friday, but, you know, he's he's just been on rest. So uh, the, the Niners, you know, there's not a ton of injuries in this game. So we're going to get the full, you know, uh, um, kind of the full ante here from, from yeah. both teams, you I know. Because at this point, yep. Every selling something, right? It's yep. just you know to the de- the degree. Yeah, and and we saw Kadarius Tony was out last week. We we also saw that whole shit show go on, where he said, "Well, I wasn't really injured," and 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 you know the the Chiefs are saying, "Well, he was injured." Yeah, so See, I mean, what is dummy? Yeah, yeah you, you know, man, Kadarius Tony is is about to get himself cut, dude. You know that's that's basically. Just- Shut up. <laughs> Go to work and get your rent. Yeah. Right? Done. done. Yeah, just be done. I wasn't injured. Yeah. Who asked you? Yep. No, no fucking cares. You know, like, so, I mean, right. and, and I could just see the Chiefs just, you know, Andy Reid's kind of no nonsense. He'll get fed up with, he's kind yeah. of. Him and Belichick are almost the same way where they're like, I'm not putting up in your bullshit. Like, yes. you can go. And they'll yeah. send him out the door, no problem. Yeah. So, you know that that'll be a thing. Yeah, he was injured. Yeah, yeah. He had a hangnail. Yeah. yeah. Called him to not catch the ball every damn time when you throw it to him. <laughs> yeah, he had a vision problem where he's standing over the fucking line of scrimmage offside. <sighs> but but uh, I, I look at I, this is going to be a toughie. I, I'm. Look, I like Brock Purdy a lot. I like the things he's been doing, but I'm going with Mahomes and the Chiefs here. Um, Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey playing great ball. I have a feeling that the Niners are going to do exactly what they did against the Lions. They're going to dip into zone. They're going to give up anything underneath, and, and the Chiefs are just going to exploit that. And with Rashi Rice, the way he likes to create uh, uh, with his legs and likes to create the, that run after the catch, 
the way that Travis Kelsey likes to play underneath a lot, run after the catch. Both those guys can play in man. Both of those guys can exploit zone. Mahomes has, I mean, great vision right now. Isaiah Pacheco, I mean, he's going to be a key in this game. This is this is going to be uh, uh, pretty brutal. I think the Chiefs, and I, I don't think it's going to be close at all. I think this is going to be a landslide. Give me the Chiefs. So uh, I'm trying to find the line on the game. Um, I'm having trouble with it, but uh, my two, one and a half or two, depending on the day, right? Depending on when you know yeah. how the wind blows. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it, it could go either way. So um, I would I would say that the, the the key thing to look out for Isaiah Pacheco and that running game. You know, because like I said, that first part where they were deep in that deep zone, you know, the Lions were running all over them, you know, and and Isaiah Pacheco is a nasty runner, you know, just a nasty, loves contact, blows through that line, you know, something to look out for. And really, I think if if, uh, I'm going to I'm going to also go ahead and pick the Kansas City Chiefs because they're they're Super Bowl veterans. I mean, Super San Francisco is for our veterans too. They've been in this situation before, but you know, at the time the first matchup they had Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now they have Brock Purdy, who is still the weak link. And now you have Chris Jones and the Kansas City defense, who, who are spectacular against the pass. You know, they'll be they'll be able to if if Brock Purdy can get rattled and rattled often. It's going to be trouble, yeah. so I, I'm, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs because I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be looking out for that running game. Yep. And and right now the line is Niners by two is what the, the current mm. biggest. So Niners are favored by two. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all on me now. Uh huh. This is a tough one. It is. It's a little tough. I I you know. Knowing it's interesting knowing that both of these teams have something that goes against the opposition's weakness. Yeah. Both of them have it. The, the Niners have the run game against the weak Kansas City run defense. Right. The, the Kansas City has the you know Patrick Mahomes and company throwing underneath and making plays with their legs against that bad zone defense. Brock Purdy gets rattled against you know good pass defense i mean it, it just it's interesting they 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 it's going to be a high scoring affair it, it kind of spells out like that almost but you never really know i i but i i really do think that the chiefs are just going to run away with this thing the, the brock purdy finally turns into a pumpkin <laughs> i can i can definitely see that here's the here's the thing um you've got again i said this last year the three positions that Kansas City was better than the Eagles were at quarterback, yep, tight end, yep, and head coach, yep. <laughs> and all three of it, and all three of those things, all three of those positions came into play against the Eagles. Now, do you think Reed right now is better than Kyle Shanahan? Yes. Yeah, mm, I, 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 I think so. They're kind of like neck and neck. But you know, Andy Reid has like just a little bit of an edge. But yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I do think, I, I think Kyle Shanahan is far better than Nick Sirianni. Oh, 100 percent. And I think we saw that this year. I think, I think 
if, if you're going to, if it was coaching wise, you know, you were absolutely right. Andy Reid, far better coach than Nick Sirianni. But I think it's very, very much closer, much you closer. know, with Kyle Shanahan. I think he's, absolutely. you know, Kyle Shanahan's the type of head coach you retain. He's got like a Belichick tenure, you know, yeah. or you're, you're going to that man for 25 years, you know. See, you see, this, these two offenses are kind of, Brock yeah. is, is the guy who's the beneficiary of George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey yeah. and Debo Samuel and Brandon Knight. Yep. He's the beneficiary and, of those guys, right? An elite game manager. Exactly. Yep. And now you've got juxtaposed that with Patrick Mahomes, who is the the one who's controlling everything yeah, on the yeah. other side. Rashi Rice right. and Kelsey are the beneficiaries. They're the of beneficiaries Patrick of Patrick Mahomes. Yep, yep. Man. And and to be fair to Mahomes, Mahomes has been a beneficiary of a great offensive line. That we, we do have that offensive line of theirs. Slipped that thing a couple of years back. Remember when Mahomes was running for his life yep. against the Bucks? Yep, got the hell beat out of him. Right. Yep. And they completely flipped that offensive line. What happened the next season? Yep. The best offensive line in football went yeah, to the Super Bowl. And and you look so, at the two t- the the two guys and and credit to them. I mean, and and that following season, they they had Orlando Brown, and, and obviously Orlando yeah. Brown left. But the two guys that I really credit that are still on that line that were there were two draftees. It was Trey Smith, and it was Creed Humphrey. Both those guys, Creed Humphrey, and and Creed Humphrey on this show yeah. was and the the rookie year on this show. Yeah. You know, you know, and and it was him between him and Micah Parsons for rookie of the year. Yeah. And Creed Humphrey, I, I just couldn't get over how good he was at protecting Patrick Mahomes and opening up run lanes. And, I mean, he was just outstanding. So, like, I, those two guys I always look at, I'm like, man, those two draft picks were incredible. And they were both on the same draft. Same draft. So when you have that type of uh, commodity at the quarterback position, you got to protect him. Also, Creed Humphrey, second-round guy. Mm-hmm. Second rounder, one of the best yeah. centers in football, if not yeah. the best. I mean, like him and Ragnar are like right up next to each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, look, I have all, I will just, I will prescribe to the, the old adage, as Ric Flair once said, to be the man, you have to beat the man. Mm-hmm. And I don't think so. Give me the cheese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do it. I knew it. Yeah, the, the I, I thought I felt like this is where it was going to go. Where we're you know it was going to be chased by a landslide on the show here and dang it, I uh, wouldn't say landslide. I would I would prob I would not be surprised if this game came on the foot of Harrison Butker. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Jake Moody posting it. Hmm? Yeah. He did miss one in the in the in the conference championship. See, this is a whole another ball game, right? The 49ers, they. They've achieved all kinds of success <coughs> as a team and an organization. Sure. But under Kyle Shanahan's watch, you know, they're trying to get back to where they were. But this group, they you're going against a team that has been there, done that, got that hat. Yeah. Right? Yep. And they love it. They love the thing. And they're not shying away from it. No. Right? Not so, long. you know, and, and I've seen it too many times. Until I see somebody beat Mahomes, yeah, he'll be the guy. Yeah, we we've seen you got to take the crown from him. Yeah, he's right now. Mahomes is is just terrifying when he hits the playoffs. I mean, and and yeah. we're are are we trending? Like like I I would go as far as saying if this continues, yeah, if this continues and we we get five years down the line here, 
Yeah. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes being the GOAT. You know, know, he's definitely trending that way, especially when we were talking about earlier in the season. I said it on this show. They were a couple of bad games away from missing the playoffs altogether. And they woke up at the right time and they hit their stride in the right time. And now they're right back where they need to be. Right. And and there was there was some ugly moments for them in the season for the Chiefs and and. Man, right at right near you know the back half of the season, they come alive and and do what they got to do. I I mean, at one point, I think they were six and six. I mean, like and and if you yeah. look at what they accomplished, it's it's incredible. Patrick Mahomes just comes alive and does what he does. Lost and, to the Bills at home. Lost yeah. to the Raiders at home. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that was that was ugly. Was lost to the Broncos, huge on the road. And that was after they had spanked him two weeks before that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is our predictions and our no, scores. No, oh, no, what, what, what? Those are our spoilers. Our spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving forward, uh, let's let's uh, jump into our um, our news around the league. The coaching carousel has gone bananas. Mm-hmm. Oh my <laughs> lord! The, first of all, just. Some minor player news. My, yeah. <laughs> You're really, really buying the gimmick there. Uh, minor player news here. Uh, first of all, Buck Center, and this really this one's sort of minor, but it's not. But, you know, Buck Center, Ryan Jensen, he retires after nine seasons. Um, look, the Buccaneers are trending toward, I mean, they've, they've lost so many pieces. It, and I mean, free agency's coming, and yeah. they've got a ton of guys walking out the door, big time guys. And now, you know, you lost your, you know, Canellis, you know, he's now the head coach over uh, with uh, Atlanta, if I'm no, not Carolina. Atlanta, Carolina, thank you. Uh, he's so he goes to a division rival, becomes a head coach, and then he, he starts taking members of his staff with him, and then you, you know, he, that's got to hurt. Yeah, oh my gosh. And then you lose your whole linebacking crew. Mike Evans is leaving. I mean, your your kicker, McLaughlin, who was great for you, he's leaving. Uh Baker Mayfield, he's gonna be expecting forty million. Yeah, you're just well, you you've got this and then you lose your center, your all pro center. I, I mean it's just somebody yeah. threw a Molotov into a dumpster and set it on fire. That's what happened here. Yeah, the Buccaneers right now, if if you look at their situation right now, they're looking Number one, it just it's almost like rebuild by default, right? I oh, mean yeah. that's that's to, where yeah. it's headed. And um it's also, you know, like they're trending toward being probably one of the worst teams in football next season. Ooh. You know, like can you believe it's looking, that? It's looking ugly. Yeah. How ugly? Rolling shoe ugly. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how bad it's looking. It's it's gonna be pretty grody. Um, other player news, wide receiver Stefan Diggs is unsure of his future in Buffalo after having a down season. What? This is what I was talking about. No. This is what I was talking about. I, I threw it out there. I said, hey, hey, but this he is going to happen. It. Yeah, exactly. But I said, this is going to happen. This this was a thing. You know, I, I told you guys, you know, that we're, we were waiting for the Twitter meltdown and whatever else. They, inter- yeah, they, they interviewed him at, at – uh, uh, you know, Pro Bowl weekend, and he said he's not sure about his future in Buffalo. And uh, hey, you know what? I don't blame him because you know Joe Brady doesn't know what the hell he's doing with him. And and you know, Stephon Diggs, you, you, he's twenty million dollar diversion. You know, I mean, that's all he was for them. 
And and Gilbert, I, you know what? I, and I, I've been saying this. I get, I get that they're winning games, and I get that he's utilizing him the way he's got to use them and there, whatever else. And I, I, the Joe Brady system is an interesting thing. I'm just saying, Stefan Diggs is a diva. Stefan Diggs, and and I, we know this. I mean, you and I, you and I are both Vikings fans. We know this. You know, like Stefan Diggs is a diva. Stefan Diggs wants his touches. Stefan Diggs wants to get the attention. Stefan Diggs wants to be a star. And you're, he's going to be a star in a Ken Dorsey system, but he's not going to be a, a star in a Joe Brady system. You know, it's like it's like telling Michael Jordan, you know, I don't think you're going to be the scoring leader in the league. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it's on that level. You know, and and that's kind of what you're looking at. And I'm not saying Stephon Diggs is the, the athlete that Michael Jordan was, but you get what I'm saying. He's he's the star of the show. He's been the star of the show. And now Joe Brady's coming to him and saying, hey, look, I, I don't know that you're going to be the star of the show anymore. I'm going to have to use you to draw coverage off of Gabe Davis. And and if the Bills are going to be successful in that fashion, they're going to have they're going to have to. That's fine. But you're going to have to get a wide receiver to there. You can't be throwing the ball to Gabe Davis and expect it to be uh, you know, a positive outcome. Gabe Davis was not good this year. Khalil Shakir was. And Khalil, I think that's where it's going. And, and that might be the case. But, you know, if. if if I'm the Bucks, or if I'm the Bills, rather, I'm I'm looking over and I'm going. Mm, there's there's some good free agent receivers out there. We'll be talking about free agents uh, after this, but yeah, the the uh, T Higgins anyway. Yeah, T Higgins is out there. I, I mean, there's there's guys out there. So we'll we'll be talking about the top 150 free agents and, and running through some of those and possible landing spots for them. Uh, moving into the coaching carousel, though, man, we had a lot of coordinator moves. We had some head coaching moves happen. Obvious. You know, Jim Harbaugh this this week got introduced uh, as the Chargers head coach, so we got to see that happen, uh, and and he seemed like he was just very excited. The Chargers also made a move to hire Ravens director of player personnel Joe Horitz as their new GM. Uh, you know, I actually like that move. Uh, the Ravens, you know, yeah, you know, get the director of player personnel from from the Baltimore Ravens who. I mean, we all have been saying, and we know what type of organization yeah. and their the pedigree that they have brought in when, in terms of dealing with their players, drafting players, yeah. developing, and within the system or even the new system, Baltimore Ravens. You know, if it's like sight unseen, yeah, right. They're they're really good about promoting from within, though, and and so they they had to make some moves because uh, they go out and they lose their defensive coordinator, you know, uh, and, and uh, he gets picked up by the Seattle Seahawks. They hire Mike McDonald as their new head coach in Seattle. So in turn, because Mike McDonald winds up as the head coach in Seattle, and we'll, we'll get to him momentarily, the Ravens also, they promote Zach Orr, former linebacker for the Ravens, to their defensive coordinator. Uh, and, and he was their inside Zach linebacker. Who? Oh, <laughs> it's a terrible You're joke. Sorry. It's a terrible joke. I thought they were only Oh, it's awful. That's <laughs> so bad. But they go out and they promote Zach or to their, their uh Or who? I, I hate you so much right now. Uh they they the, he's their inside linebackers coach. They they make him the DC over there. Uh he was always a, a rock solid uh, inside linebacker for them. Yeah. Uh so I, I like that. You know, this is typical of the Ravens. They they hire from within, they promote from within, they they just keep moving guys up the chain, and and it always seems to work out for them. It always has. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you've seen that happen on it's, the field and in the office, apparently. Yeah, and, and it's rare that you see them go out of you know their comfort zone, and and you know this this week they went out and 
or this uh, last season they went out and nabbed up Todd Monken from Georgia. Right. You know, it was that's a rarity. Yes. You don't see that from them very often. But right. I, I think they saw something that they liked and that they could take Lamar's game to the next level. So we got to see that a little bit. And it's he did. He Todd Monken to his credit this year, he did take, you know, Lamar's game to the next level, even though there was, you know, a drop off in the AFC title game. I'm sure at some point they'll be back there. It'll be a thing. Um, also, you know, as far as, uh, McDonald goes, uh, getting hired on by the Seattle Seahawks, I actually like this hire. I think it's a good hire, um, from a defensive standpoint, I think it's a great hire because they've got a lot of young corners over there. Uh, they got Rick Wollen, you know, Tariq Wollen over there. You got, you know, Witherspoon over there, guys that can be groomed by a really good defensive coordinator who has a pedigree for, for creating rock solid defenses. Uh, Alex, you know. McDonald going over to Seattle. I love that. I love that move. You there, Alex? Buddy? Oh, okay. Alex is having some technical difficulties, but let's talk about Mike McDonald uh, boots. You know, I, I like Mike McDonald. I think this is a great hire. Yeah. It, here's the thing. We, he's been a great off the defensive coordinator. We've seen it in college and he come on, come on back and, you know, and, and did it for Baltimore. Is he a head coach, though? You don't think so? I'm not saying I don't think so. I'm just asking. The, I'm just kind of. I'm kind of asking, uh, because there were some people, Mike Vrabel, anyone, you know, mm-hmm. available for this position that have had experience. And you've got a team in, in Seattle where you've got some veterans, but you got some young guys. You got a good mix of veterans and young guys. And I think you need you need a, a more of a veteran coach in that type of scenario to help guide and you know and, and move along. And especially when it's Seattle, you know you're going to get a tough run game. Yep. You know you're going to get a tough defense. You know that's what Mike Vrabel brings uh, to a team. And he's not afraid to utilize you know the weapons at receiver and, and running back that they've got. Mm-hmm. So I I just say maybe they should have you know maybe gone with. With with Vrabel on that one, instead of giving and get instead of giving this team to a first run coach, maybe somebody who's had the experience and been in the playoffs and and taken teams and won games with a team that nobody thought he was going to win. Well, you know, I said here all the time about Tennessee, they're sneaky. Yeah, don't think you can just walk into Tennessee and beat them. Yeah, right. You know, they've got that type of reputation. I believe that's a lot of uh, what Vrabel brings toughness you mm-hmm. know some some good old school philosophy and you know you're going to need a run game in seattle and and one thing i i have an issue with as far and and i could see vrabel possibly coming in as the offensive coordinator over there i the the thing is and, and uh vrabel and you you got done consistently talking about it uh these these retread coaches oh and, yeah, and retread and, coaches. and i i think but he's not one of them vrabel might need be in a situation right now where he needs to take a year or two and go be a coordinator and then find himself as a head coach. Jim Schwartz is a great example. You know, he found himself as a coordinator and, and he's been one of the best defensive coordinators in all of football for a long time since he leaving Detroit. He was a good defensive coordinator in Detroit. Um, he's a good head coach in Detroit for, for a couple of years there. You know, the, it's just, um, it's one of those things <clears throat> where I, I like the hire here I don't know that Vrabel necessarily does fit because of the fact that they have three big-time receivers over there 
And Vrabel is kind of like Arthur Smith in a way, where where he goes is where receivers go to die. And well, you, you got to see it. You got to see the sent. I mean, the, the last time a receiver was good for them, A.J. Brown was getting the ball thrown to him, and he had himself some pretty good years in Tennessee. Did. But look at the guys that they brought in. Traylon Burks, well, garbage. You look at DeAndre Hopkins. He didn't have himself a 1,000-yard season. Well, I DeAndre mean, Hopkins, again, on his, you know, or team in the last three years, right. but you know, but also he did produce, you know, when and at certain there was times, a quarterback carousel, yeah, at right, certain times between Tannehill and Malik Willis and Will Levis. And Malik Willis got did dirty, but oh, I God. will continue <laughs> moving on. Horrible, but but uh, Brable, he he recognizes talent, but he's he's just not going to force the ball to any receiver every time. Put it like this, as Walker said, if you put him in, in Seattle with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba, I don't think you could mess that up. Yeah, I, it's tough to mess something like that up. It really is. And, and uh, I, was, I was a little, um, you know, some, I was surprised by the McDonald hire, but I'm not because a lot of the young talent that they have there, and I think this was a kind of a coup to try and also keep Bobby Wagner on the field. You know, there because Bobby Wagner's talking about leaving. So, yeah. you know, and, and he might hit free agency. He might come back to Seattle. We'll see. But I think McDonald, and, and I also think it's a good hire from the extent that, you know, Seattle runs a 3-4. McDonald runs a 3-4. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, maybe it's just me. But I think, you know, all the pieces in place for, for him to do what he's got to do. And, and we'll see if, if McDonald is a good coach. We're going to find out. Uh, one thing that they did do in Seattle, and they, they also hired former Bills defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier as their assistant coach, which I love. Mm-hmm. I love Leslie Frazier. Yeah, so now you've got a guy in Frazier on your staff who's been through, you know, the stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Some some guidance with, especially being the first-time head coach right. at this level, you're going to need a little bit more guidance and a little help. Yep, and and I think that's a brilliant hire. I, I thought Leslie Frazier, we saw him do wonders for the Vikings defense for several years. We saw him do wonders with the Bills defense for several years. Now he's going over to a Seattle defense. Mind you, Leslie Frazier is a former defensive back in this league. He's a former yeah. defensive back coach. He's a former defensive coordinator. He's a former head coach. Um, and everywhere he goes, the defense gets better and the defense – backs get better and like I keep talking about you got Tariq Wollin and you got Devin Witherspoon over there and I see them sitting there with Leslie Frazier oh buddy yeah oh buddy that's yeah fun to watch I think that Seattle defense might be a little scary next season oh yeah especially if the you know if they were if they weren't scary before yeah (laughs) if they weren't scary before they're scary now and and I'm, I'm pretty blown away um by what's going on there uh, and in turn, because of the fact that, uh, you know, the Bills are, are losing some pieces and whatever the case may be, they went out and made some uh, moves of their own. More or less, they made promotions. Uh, they, they went out and first they promoted their assistant defensive line coach, Marcus West, to their defensive line coach. That's a smart just in-house high, uh, uh, promotion. I just think that's rock solid. They also promoted their senior defensive assistant, Al Holcomb, who previously served as the Panthers interim defensive coordinator in 2022 to their linebackers coach. I like that simply because of the fact that uh, if you remember how good the linebackers have been in Carolina for years, 
he was a huge part of that. And, and to see him become the linebackers coach for the bills and, and, you know, it's just, it's smart. And then on top of that, they also promoted their linebacker coach, Bobby Babich to the defensive coordinator position. I like that hire too. If you look at the Bills linebackers from the last several years, Matt Milano became an all-pro. He did. You know, and uh, under Bobby Babich. I, I, I like that a lot. I thought it was was just really, really smart on, on their end to hire, bring him up yeah. and, and do what they're doing. Smart plays. They, get a good, they hire from within. They know what they're doing. They know what their plan is. Just smart. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that the Bills did were down a good amount of uh, linebackers, defensive players uh, in last week's, uh, not last week, two weeks ago against the Chiefs. Yeah. You know, that that hurt them a lot, a lot too. And and they still were in that game. They still they, were in yeah. that game. I mean, that's that's something, I think that, that says something about, you know, just how good they, they've been, uh, um, you know, moving forward. Uh, also, the, the Ravens, by the way, we're going to, I want to talk about this. They, they are hemorrhaging. Front office people, they're hemorrhaging. DB coaches, they they so the Titans they hire the Ravens defensive back coach, uh, Denard Wilson as the defensive coordinator. I remember Denard Wilson. I love this hire. I mean, yeah. for for as good as the Ravens defensive backs have been, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, excellent hire, excellent hire by Tennessee. Tennessee, no, they've got to uh, make sure that their defense is up to snuff because it was a little tougher to run on, or excuse me, yeah, it was a little tougher to run on Tennessee than it was to throw on them. Right. And and that's going to help, you know, solidify some of that stuff across the middle. Yeah. Getting those linebackers in a better spot. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe, maybe overhauling the entire defense. You never know what they're going to have to do over there. Yeah, and, and the defensive backs for the Ravens have just been out of this world for, I mean, years. I mean, we and, and you remember, I mean, Take a look right now. I mean, there, there have been a specific number of no-name guys, particularly Geno Stone over there with the Ravens, who was like a, a sixth-round, seventh-round pick. And and uh, Tyler, it was funny. He got he came out on the field. He had like two good games, and Tyler was crapping all over. Oh, we need a safety. We need a safety. I go, I don't know. This Geno Stone guy has been pretty good the last several weeks. He goes, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. He's a bum. <laughs> the next year. like Mickey from yeah, Rocky. Yeah, Gino, Gino Stone, yeah. uh, you know, next thing you know, if you if you look at what Gino Stone has done over the last several weeks yeah. or the last couple of years, the guy's been rock solid. And, every, and, yeah. and he's getting ready to go be a free agent this year. And I'm like, somebody's going to be looking at him because he can be a starter anywhere. I mean, he's a stone. So, he's <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah. You like that? You like that? That's good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it, this is a good hire, and yeah. and you go out and get Wilson there, and he he's an excellent uh, DB coach, and he's going to be a good defensive coordinator, I think, for the Titans. He understands the game. So the Titans also making some some other good hires. They first they hired the Jags passing game coordinator Nick Holtz as their new offensive coordinator. Interesting hire, huh? Yeah, interesting okay. hire. I I. I'm not sure how I feel about it because I don't feel like the Jags passing game has been the best in the last couple of years, even with Trevor Lawrence being over there. It's It's been okay. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at it this year, you know, Calvin Ridley disappeared for an entire season. Yeah. After right? game After one. After game one, bro. <laughs> an entire year. And, and nobody really 
I mean, Christian Kirk, you know, had a a really good season for for a while. And Evan Ingram. And Evan, Evan, Ingram. Ingram, Evan Ingram had a little bit of a resurgence. So, yep. you know, maybe now that we're thinking about it, kind of talking through it, may not be that bad. He might, he might be okay. He might be, he might be okay. Right. He'd be all right. Receiver spot. Yeah, they they've been needing it for a while. Also, yeah, Kyle they Kyle Phillips and DeAndre Hopkins ain't gonna get it done. Right, and they also hired uh, Browns offensive line coach Bill Callahan. He is actually the son uh, of uh, Brian Callahan, who is now the head coach over there with the Tennessee Titans. So they hire him on as the offensive line coach. He just makes a lateral move, goes to the Titans, and is coaching underneath his son, um, and so he winds up as the offensive line coach. I actually like this hire a lot. The The Browns have had a really good run game for a while. Their offensive line. So the dad is working for the son. Yep. All right. Dad's working for the son. All right. So, so uh, you know, it's it's an interesting thing over there. I like it a lot. And, and you know, this is a good hire. Alex, you know, we have saw how well the Bills have run the football for a while. Uh, what what do you think about, about this hire, Bill Callahan, uh, working for his uh, son as the new offensive line coach in Tennessee? You know, um, maybe if if Derrick Henry decides to stick around for another year, we'll see. I mean, again, I think we we were talking about how he was going to be a free agent. But if somehow Tennessee does the impossible and gets Derrick Henry back on the roster, you know, maybe they'll figure out how to use him properly. (laughs) Not, you know, not that he wasn't before, but I mean, he, he was, well, this season he wasn't. But it's an interesting dynamic. I'm I'm excited to see it. You know, I want to see where we go from here. Yeah, I, I want to see what this means for Tajay Spears. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Spears, Spears is the guy that that I think is going to be the big benefactor here, uh, as far as you know, having that offensive line coach. We saw how and, and Spears sort of reminds me in a way, kind of like um, Kareem Hunt in a way, the way he runs. And I could see definitely Tajay Spears kind of playing that that Kareem Hunt role yeah. in that in that running game. So we could see that. Um, moving forward, but Tennessee, man, making some moves, uh, just a, a, a wild run. Also, the Falcons, man, they went on a spree. Before I before I move on from them, I just want to point out the Browns made a, did make a move over the weekend because we were already on the Browns here. They did hire former Bills offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey as their new offensive coordinator. Oh. I this hire. I love this hire. Don't like it? Mm. No. Mm. I think Ken Dorsey leaned a little bit too much on the path, and there's no quarterback in Cleveland to be able to pull this off right now. Yeah, I, I mean, and that may very well be the case. The Browns may be in the market for one, and and I could see them going. I don't. Obviously, they're never going to go after Baker Mayfield again. But if they if they do wind up in the quarterback market, I mean, imagine if you will, Kevin Stavansky says, "Hey." Kirk Cousins, come on down. And uh, Kirk Cousins winds up over there with the, the Cleveland Browns, and then they go into the draft and draft a receiver. And next thing you know, they got Amari Cooper and one other, you know, drafted talent. And they got Ken Dorsey over there. I mean, uh, and Joku. And- <laughs> I don't think – I think they, I think the Browns are stuck with Deshaun Watson. Yep. And it's – brother – their old, their old mother Hubbard with Watson in the yeah, cover. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's done. Yeah, I think every move that they make, it does, it's not going to matter what they do because they've got this albatross of a contract. Yeah, around, around their neck for this guy 
who clearly yeah. is not he's not playing football the way that they need him to play football for the <laughs> amount of money that they're paying him to play football. It's wild, man. It's yeah. wild. And uh, they, they also, so the Browns former offensive coordinator also got a job with the new England Patriots. Alex Van Pelt is the new offensive coordinator for the new England Patriots moving forward. That ain't bad. I actually like that hire. I, I don't like that. I don't like that. They got rid of Alex Van Pelt. Me I, either. It I, wasn't his fault. No. Yeah. He wasn't the guy at fault for any of this shit. Joe so, Flacco threw that pick, not Pelt. <laughs> yeah, well, go so, ahead. But yeah, I thought this was a good hire on the end of uh, Jared Mayo and company. I, I like this move. He, he yeah. winds up getting a good offensive coordinator. They're going to run the ball a lot. They don't have the receivers right now, uh, you know, to do the things that they need to do. They need a quarterback. They know they're going to be probably drafting quarterback round one. Look, you know, Mario Douglas is, is a pretty good little young receiver, yep. right? But he's not an A1 guy. No. Right? Taquan Thornton, he's a pretty good, you know, deep threat, and he's gotten a little bit better, but he wasn't given the proper tools to develop offensively in yeah. these last couple of years. Right, right. With So now I think you're going to see a little bit better of development between, especially between those two young receivers. I also think you're going to see a little more development out of Ramadre Stevenson because, yes. you know, Van Pelt likes to run the ball and, and, you know, he likes to have sort of a two-headed monster situation. Don't be surprised if Ezekiel Elliott winds back as a Patriot. Yeah. You know, and and I think it would be a smart move on his end, especially going dealing with a guy like Van Pelt. I, I think that makes a lot of sense over there with the way he used to run the ball with the Browns for a yeah. long time. But they're uh, still looking up at the Bills and the Dolphins of the division. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of guys that like to run the ball a lot, let's talk about it. Uh, Arthur Smith gets hired as the Steelers' new offensive coordinator. Hey, oh. uh, you know, <laughs> you know. It's it's like we, we I saw this come across and it was like the the first thing I thought of is you know we've talked about it on the show how Arthur Smith is a better offensive coordinator than he is a head coach much yeah. better uh, we know how abysmal he is as a head coach uh, but the question must be asked you know uh, I, mean, I I I think this is a decent hire only because a he's a better coordinator b he's about the running game and c that's kind of Pittsburgh's identity, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and here's my thing about, about Pittsburgh's current situation. If you look at, at what they're dealing with right now, you got the 20th pick in the draft, right? Yeah. You're, there's not going to be a good quarterback that's going to be available for you at, at 20. It's just not going to happen. The top five guys are going. You know they are. If, if yeah. I could see, if, if anybody's going to fall to them, it's going to be J.J. McCarthy, and I don't know that they're going to go. Exactly. I don't know if they're going to take McCarthy at 20. You know, so – I think the only guy would fall to them would be Drake May. I think once we see the combine, because the combine gonna separate the quarterback from the boys. Yeah, and 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 a lot of this, you know, we've seen we saw a lot of the Senior Bowl practices. I've got it recording right now, so I'm gonna wind up, you know, dialing it back and taking a look at it at the Reese's Senior Bowl. But a lot of the Senior Bowl practices haven't been good for some of these quarterbacks' uh, draft stock moving forward. Like I mean, Michael Penix and Bo Nix both struggled at, the, at their Senior Bowls. You know, you may see the cat out of Tulane. His name escapes me at the Michael moment. Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt, thank you. Uh, you might see him, uh, you know, possibly pop down at 20. He might be the guy. Who knows? But yeah. I think he's more second roundish. You know, you might be yeah. talking day two. Yeah. So I, I just, I look over and I, I see Pittsburgh's situation. I think it's a good hire from the perspective that you got a guy that likes to run the ball and likes to uh, uh, sort of take the ball out of the quarterback's hands, right? Yeah. And if they're not going to draft a quarterback, which I don't think think they will at 20 if, if, if those guys fall 
then he's going to go, okay, well, I'll go ahead and deal with Kenny Pickett for a year, and I'll run the crap out of Najee Harris and run the crap out of, out of Jalen Warren and, and hope for the best. And that's Just throw the ball to George Pickens, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that's kind of where it's going. I mean, and there might be a quarterback duel coming up here between Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett, you know, that hey, it's not much of a duel, but, hey, it's yeah. it's going to – it's like a, a giant douche and a turd sandwich, but this at the end of the day, this is, at the end of the day, you're gonna eat, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're either gonna be clean or you're gonna eat. It's, it's one of those. Two. It's 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 one of those deals where this is gonna end up being if they don't, especially if they don't, you know, really go for a quarterback. You're gonna be looking at another wild card Pittsburgh Steeler game. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's kind of where it's headed. I yeah. I don't I don't get it. I, and and JJ McCarthy. I could see him being the pickup there based on what they're going to do as far as an offensive scheme. I just don't know that they pick him at 20, but if he, they do pick him at 20, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I'm with you. And by the way, just just so we can uh, – look, I, I get on Viking social media a lot. Okay? And I go down Viking social media, and I do not and cannot understand the obsession with J.J. McCarthy from Vikings Twitter. It's the Michigan hype. Uh, dude, Vikings Twitter right now yeah. is just obsessed with J.J. He's not the dude. I don't get it. No. Don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Right. And and I'm like, wait a minute. You, uh, I would take Michael Penix. I don't even like Michael Penix. I would take Michael <laughs> Penix over J.J. McCarthy. Okay? No, absolutely. But like, like I, I, I don't like. – I'm like, wait a minute. What are we doing here? And it just it doesn't make sense. And and I just recency bias. Right? I guess I guess. But what I, did they see in the national title game to let you know? Because when it came to nut cutting time in the national title game, who did Michigan turn to? Blake, Blake Corum. Yep, that was it. Yep. And, and I I just I don't buy it. I don't buy McCarthy. I haven't bought McCarthy. And for some reason, people are just soaking their jockeys over J.J. McCarthy. Vikings Twitter, hey, guys, you're all nuts. J.J. McCarthy's not the guy. Thank you. He's not. And and I stand by that. God damn. Me too. I stand, I stand right next to yeah, you on God, Island. God, God damn. Like, what are we doing here? Doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. But um, Speaking of of other guy, other hires taking place here. Uh, but the Buccaneers did hire the Kentucky offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Liam Cohen as their new offensive coordinator. I don't know how I feel about this. Hey, I, this, this is like one of those deals where you have to like test it out and see how it works. It's it, it's a it's a, I believe it till I I don't I won't believe it till I see it kind of things, you know. But I mean, Kentucky. Kentucky hasn't been good. Hasn't been known for good football. Well, in the last few seasons, the Kentucky, <coughs> the Kentucky team, the Kentucky offense has looked better uh, than what it had been last year. At the quarter, the quarterback uh, Devin Leary transferred from NC State to Kentucky. Yep, and he followed the offensive coordinator Liam Grit. That's where he uh, followed him to, and I never really quite saw that next level ability of Devin Leary. Devin Leary was, was good in the ACC, but, you know, when it came time for the SEC and the big boys, he just didn't quite make the cut uh, overall. But Ray Davis did at the running back position. Uh, he yeah. 
he 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 was a, a big part of uh, Kentucky's offensive success. So yeah. and and Kentucky too. I mean, they rank thirty seventh in the country. Uh, I I mean, I can kind of see it, but I, I'm just kind of like eh, I don't know how I feel about that hire. I really uh, yeah. don't. I feel like there was better better hires out there that could have been uh, made. It's for the Bucks too. Yeah, for the Buccaneers. For the Bucs, who? Yeah. Man, so he's going to – he's already going to a situation where he's in the hole. Yeah, and he's going to a situation – well, yeah, he's in the hole, but not only that, he doesn't even have – like, we talk, We just got done talking about Ray yeah. Davis. They don't have a running back. They don't have a running back. They don't have they a, don't, they don't they have don't a have true a center. number one. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> you know, you may not have a quarterback. It's like no, you no, may not have a receiver. It's like no wonder Ryan Jensen retired. Yeah. You know, like he, just, he, he saw the said, writing on the wall. He's like, I'm good on this. I'm good. Liam, get that check. Yeah, and, and another one, another peculiar hire was made by the Packers this week. They hired Boston College head coach uh, Jeff Halfley as their defensive coordinator. This one was a head scratcher too. Boston College's defense was ranked like 86th in the country or some shit. Like, yeah. What? Why? Why? That's that's not that that ain't exactly eighty six percent on your college exam. That's that's pretty low. The yeah. math the math's opposite on that. They're halfway between a rock and a hard place at this point. Trying to get you defensive. You, you had so many so many better defensive coordinators. My wife laughed at that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! <laughs> no, man. I, this is one of this is a head scratcher. Yeah, it, it doesn't it's make sense. sense. It doesn't make no. sense. Is it row ever row anyone? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. I I don't understand. Like like. Ezra Evero, I dude, I, I'm looking at all of his 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 interviews and his yeah. interview requests. He got one. Yeah. I'm like, how? Yeah, right. How? How? How does he only get one interview request? It's the guy had the sixth best defense in the league for Christ's sake. It ju- and, and he was in yeah. Denver. He had one of the, he had one of if not the best. Team. It doesn't make right. sense. Right? Hire the man. Pay the man. Yeah. Christ! It just it blows my mind. Ezra wow. Evero should be hired. He should be a head coach right now. It doesn't make sense. Boston College. Did AJ Dillon go to Boston College? I don't remember. <sighs> I, I honestly don't he remember. Did. And uh, I, the last he guy did. came out of there was what was it Zay Flowers that came out of there? Zay Flowers came out of Boston yep, yep. College. It was the last yeah. guy I remember that came out of there. But I just I don't understand how how you're, you're going to go and take the uh, guy who just he head coached the 86th ranked defense in all of college football. It's 86th for Christ's sake! You're not even going at like at least go after Michigan's D coordinator mm-hmm. something. Top you know, fifty? Yeah, we got top fifty at least. Top forty? Christ Almighty! I'm like, what yeah. are we doing? Doesn't make sense. One guy who's a good defensive coordinator that did get picked up, though, Commanders hired former Cowboys defensive coordinator, former Falcons head coach, Dan Quinn as their head coach. Uh, you know, we kind of – so do uh, <laughs> you think this is – look. Probably just a condemnation on Dallas at this yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about them Cowboys? <sighs> This dude goes right across the street to take a head coach job. He was probably just looking like down the office, hey, 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 Jerry, can I get the job when Mike McCarthy screws this up? Yeah. No? Okay, then. I'll go right across the street. I'll I'll go go and beat you. Yeah, I'll go and beat you in the same division. And and the kicker is is that, you know, like he's going to have work to do as far as that defense goes. We know how good of a defensive coach he can be, which – we learned it was it, it was it's been fascinating to watch Dan Quinn. Beautiful to Fasc- watch those defenses, right? Right, but it's been fascinating because like Dan Quinn 
if you remember his time in Atlanta, his defenses were always ja- just horrible. They yeah, were terrible no, defenses. It was weird. Yeah, he had he right? had he had super high powered offense, high scoring offense, terrible defenses, and then and then he goes over to to Dallas, and we're like, damn, Quinn's a D coordinator. What the hell? And then he goes into Dallas as a D coordinator, and he's got one of the best defenses for the last four years. Like, right? <laughs> like what happened? How is that a thing? It's nice to have, you know, uh, Lawrence and and, and, then Micah Parsons and and those guys and Trayvon Diggs and Deron Bland. A lot of of good talent on the defensive side. uh, Vander Esch, J. Ron Kurse. You know, so he did get, you know, the benefit of a lot of uh, great talent. Demarcus Lawrence. There you go. That was the Lawrence I was meaning. Uh, But, yeah, so he – so he went from a full cover to now we'll we'll see. Yeah, right. He's going to have to. I mean, he he. I think he has the offensive. The offensive pieces are in place. Yes. You know, if you look, I mean, Brian Robinson Jr. is there, and you know, you, you. I think he needs a tight end. He needs a tight end over I think there. They need a quarterback. They do need a quarterback. I agree. Yeah. They need a QB. They got the receivers over there. I I, I like yes. Jahan Dotson over there. Terry I like Terry You know, all those guys. I'm real happy with those. You need a tight end though. Logan Thomas Logan. is always hurt. You know, but you know what? He was a little more healthy this year than he had been. Yep. Logan Thompson. Yeah, he was. He was. And they, they need a new offensive tackle over there on the yeah. on the left side. But I mean, ultimately, you know, they're they're and we know Washington's basically rebuilding, but they have the opportunity to build something and they do have sort of a nucleus there. They yeah. do have to get their quarterback in the future though, and we know they're gonna be in the market for one in the draft more than likely. Yeah. But uh and they, they pick at number two this year mind you so i mean they can they can easily if they want caleb they can could probably come up for caleb depends on what the bears are feeling about you know old old busting fields over there we'll find out <laughs> but you know it, it, i i actually don't mind this hire a whole lot i think this is a really good hire to be honest with you i think dan quinn uh, people thought dan quinn was going to get hired last year you know and he, yeah. he winds up you know he ends up in a really uh, uh sort of a positive situation with the commanders he still has Eric Bieniemy on staff, which yeah. I mean, I, I like that a lot. I think Eric Bieniemy is a great offensive coordinator, and Dan Quinn can be a little more hard nosed. I, I and we've seen that in the past. If you ever watch D, uh, Dan Quinn on the field, he's he's pretty hard nosed with some of these guys, and I think him and Bieniemy will, will complement each other pretty nicely. So uh, I think, and I don't think Dan Quinn's an idiot. He's not a he's not a moron. He's he's going to look over and say Eric Bieniemy knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, we, we know that Eric Bieniemy is a great coach. He's a great offensive coordinator. I think yeah. he could have been a great head coach. Yep. But, you know, it's I thought this was a smart play on the part of the commanders getting Dan Quinn. Yeah. 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 So, it, it, it definitely raises your stock a little bit as far as, you know, pre-draft and, you know, and, and to be and to be fair to them, you know, they have some pretty high draft spots as well. Yeah. Yeah, they they got high draft picks too. So I mean, it, it's going to be kind of nice for them. They should have just made Bieniemy the head coach. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree. I I think Bieniemy should have been the head coach. If you're going to do it right if you're going to bring some. If you're going to either promote with. Uh, yeah, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna go with it, you already have the offensive pieces in place. Get him as your head coach, and then go and get a defensive coordinator. You know, it's a. I agree with you there, but. I digress. He's a real Evero anyway. Yeah. I t- hey. <laughs> yeah. Bueller. Evero, come Bueller. on. Yeah. Bueller. So um, also, uh, and, and speaking of the commander's job, so originally Ben Johnson was kind of like a foregone conclusion to get that job, uh, and then he started getting interviewed by Seattle, and then he informed this, this week that Seattle and the commanders just before this Dan Quinn hire that he plans to stay with the Lions as the offensive coordinator. So the Lions will not lose Ben Johnson. 
So Dan or Dan Campbell is going to be bailed out for another year unless they play the game without the third quarter. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, good luck with that. I mean, but, but old 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 man Campbell there is going to be going to be uh, here, bailed out. Here's here's what here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping Dan, you know, he's going to gamble. He's going to be a cowboy. Let him be a cowboy. But, but do it when it makes sense. Yeah. You know, r- run the game right. You know, yeah. do the things that the book of football tells you to do, even if the book gets updated because of your crazy antics. You know, and hopefully he'll learn from from from. Hopefully the entire team, top to bottom, will learn from their mistakes of this previous season. And we'll have another strong run. Fingers crossed. And and uh, Ben Johnson, I, I like the idea that they, you know, you guys kept him around. It's a smart play by the Lions to keep him. But I think it's also smart on Ben Johnson's part. I don't think anybody was going to meet his asking price, to be honest right. with you. Um, my understanding is that the uh, the commanders are honestly, and, and uh, there's rumors swirling, that they're actually leaning Bo Nix at two. Ooh. There's been rumors Ooh, swirling. That, now that, that's that's bold. I mean, I mean, it's yeah, a great and, pick, but yeah. And uh, if they're if they're leaning Bo Nix at two, I think it's a great pick. Ben Johnson, though, he what he wanted, I guess the deal breaker. That was the deal breaker because he wants them to move up to go get Caleb Williams, and I guess that was the deal breaker. He wants Caleb, and they weren't they weren't thinking Caleb. So that that might be the uh, the the big mm-hmm. thing. That that could just be that could just be mind games on Ben Johnson's part too, and and, and uh, one one interesting quote from Amon Ross St. Brown was that uh, Ben Johnson has unfinished business. Yeah. Now, yeah. That, so, I mean, he 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 could he could smell the ring. Ben yeah. Johnson could smell the ring. So you know, we just get he thinking, okay, let's get this, let's pull our heads out our asses and let's see if we can make that big push next year. Yeah, the only thing I could smell was that big stinky dump they took on the field in the second half. But uh, right, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> 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 right, yeah, oh. they did. They did. They totally did. Yeah, but uh, moving forward, we we said we got some other uh, interesting hires. Uh, the Falcons, man, they went on a hiring spree. Raheem Mostert wound up as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons last week. We saw that man. He just Raheem Mostert or. Morris. Morris. Sorry if I oh, said Moster. <laughs> no, no, no. Must start. Yeah, must start. But Raheem Morris, rather, becomes the, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He goes and starts pulling a lot of his Rams uh, brethren with him. First of all, the, yeah. Ooh, listen, listen, listen. Yeah, go right there. Go right there. We'll start with they hire assistant head coach Jimmy Lake as their new defensive coordinator. You want to talk about a guy who knows how to – Coach, oh yeah, defenders, especially at the cornerback position. Yeah, man, that was his calling card in Washington when he was the uh, when he was coaching in Washington uh, for the Huskies, and he's going to bring that to that Atlanta Falcons secondary. Oh yeah, man, <laughs> and they, they get another uh, another key posi- uh, key uh, uh, secondary uh, starter. Out of the draft, watch out for this Falcons secondary. Man. Yeah, the, their secondary was already damn good this year. They yes. they they really tore it up. They needed some guys up front, but man, it was it was pretty uh, interesting to watch. Yeah. He also took uh, the Rams quarterback coach Zach Robinson as his offensive coordinator. I like that too. They they're going to be in the market for a quarterback this this season and in that draft. You know they're looking for the quarterback of the future because Desmond yeah. ain't it. Ain't it? Nope, he's not. He's not that dude. 
Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at, at what they're doing, they get a good quarterback coach over there. They're going to wind up probably getting a young quarterback. Jaden Daniels, anyway. Yep, he also took the offensive assistant, Nick Jones, as the assistant offensive line coach. Uh, Nick Jones, former offensive lineman at the University of Georgia. Uh, yeah, Georgia, yep, and he was the offensive assistant over there with the Rams. He follows Mr. Morris over there to the uh, Falcons, as well as offensive assistant K.J. Black, He's also he's now an offensive assistant over with the Falcons, so he makes sort of a lateral move there. So he takes a lot of his his uh, guys from the Rams with him there, and and uh, brings them over to his his coaching staff, and then other additions to his staff. And he goes out and he hires Chargers offensive quality control coach Chandler Whitmer as their passing game specialist, which I like a lot. The Chargers passing game has been good for several years now. Yeah, and this is a smart play on his end. You know that's a good hire. The one that was kind of interesting to me, and and also because of that, they hired the Chargers tight end coach, Kevin Coger, as the uh, tight end coach over there, which I'm not entirely sold on, but because you brought in the passing game coordinator, you're going to bring the tight end coach with him, right? I mean, I can see that. Yeah. But then he also goes and hires the Nebraska inside linebackers coach, Barrett Rudd, as hey. the inside linebackers coach for the Falcons. I remember Barrett Rudd. Yeah, and, and he goes out and gets hired. Um, I'm okay with this hire. I ain't mad at it. I'm mad at it. You know, but I I, I mean, Rudd's a good uh, I mean, inside linebackers coach. Nebraska's had pretty good linebackers for a while. Yeah. This is a decent, a decent hire. Decent hire. Yep, I, I'm not mad at it. And so, in turn, the Rams got to make some moves. Right. Again. They have to. Yeah, 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 again. So they go and promote from within. They promote linebacker and passing game coordinator or linebacker coach and passing game coordinator Chris Shula to defensive coordinator. So he'll be uh, uh, doing the defensive coordinator job. And they also hire former Chargers interim head coach Giff Smith as the defensive line coach and run game coordinator. I like that hire a lot, by the way. I like that name a lot. Giff Gif. Gif. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, this is a football name. Yeah, that's it? a football name. Yeah, yep. but Giff Smith, uh, you know, he was actually a rock solid uh, interim head coach for the Chargers, in spite of all the injuries and all the problems that that took place over there with that team this year. Um, filling in as the interim head coach. I mean, what were you gonna do? Yeah, with Easton Stick. Right. Right. Easton <laughs> Stick. <laughs> I, I can't I, believe I can't believe that quarterback is a real name. I'm like, what? Who? Yeah. Yeah, Easton Stick, and then well, you know, you know what they got it from? They got it from the hockey sticks. But <laughs> so, but uh, uh, for but he's a he he's an interim head coach. So I mean, like he clearly did something right to get that that role, right? I mean, yeah. he, he he was obviously not not a bum. So he gets picked up, and he's going to be the defensive line coach and run game coordinator. The Rams are weird. They that have these guys. Weird. They have these guys doing. Like, one job on the offensive side, one job on the defensive side. It's that like, is very yeah, weird. That's the second coordinator they've hired this yeah. week that's doing that. You know, so I'm like, well, what the hell is going on? Huh? Weird situation. He's defensive line coach and their run game coordinator. Make it make sense. But the, the, he that's a, a good hire on their end. The Raiders also making some moves here. They go out and they hire LSU defensive line coach Andrew Carter as their pass rush specialist. Um, I'm okay with that hire. I'm not mad at it. I'm actually more interested in their UCLA running back coach, Deshaun Foster, as their running backs coach. Uh, Foster previous play, previously played running back for the 49ers and the Panthers. So players becoming coaches. And you got Deshaun yep. Foster from UCLA. Yep. Actually played there. 
uh, ran for over 300 yards in it in a uh, college game. Had the record for some years until uh, Samaj P. Ryan broke it. Woo! Yeah, well, we we well we know one guy who's not going to be hired by the Raiders, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, for former um, Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury backs out of talks to be the offensive coordinator. That just broke this morning. Yeah, yeah, he uh, it, it was starting to look like because I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, he he was over with the uh, the uh, Arizona Cardinals as the head coach. Then he becomes the USC offensive assistant. For a little while there and then he it, it was looking like a foregone conclusion like he was going to wind up being the OC for the Raiders and I thought that was going to be an excellent hire and out of nowhere he just withdraws from consideration for their offensive coordinator position maybe he's going back to USC Lincoln Riley maybe made him a, an offer he couldn't refuse I mean right. who knows but yeah something else has got to be lurking in the back yeah there's there's something going on there who knows i mean mm. it could be a head coaching position i mean we'll we'll see where cliff kingsbury goes kind of keep an eye on it but the raiders i mean <sighs> let a good one slip through their fingers uh one guy that didn't slip through someone's fingers who i'm still big on and even though he had a tough year and a lot of people are wrongfully blaming him for things uh, the Eagles hired Chargers offensive coordinator Kellen Moore as the new OC. I like this hire a lot. <laughs> yeah, clap for that yeah. one, buddy. I love this hire. This is, look. Yeah. We, how 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 much how much have we pounded the table saying Kellen Moore needs to be a coach? Kellen yep. Moore needs to be a head coach. <laughs> so this is this this is good news. This is good news for him as an offensive coordinator. He goes over to the Eagles. Look the. With an aging receiving core and an aging injured receiving core offensive line. and a bad offensive line and a, an aging offensive line, and you, the only young guy you got on that offensive line is Rashawn Slater, right? And, and he's, what, three years in now? I, I mean, Kellen Moore did a really damn good job with, the, with them, and he did a damn good job with the Cowboys as an offensive coordinator, and they, they – a lot of teams are wrongfully pointing the finger at this young kid for no reason. He He's going to go over here with the Eagles. He's got a great receiver in A.J. Brown. He's got a great receiver uh, in, in Devontae Smith. He's got a great tight end in Dallas Goddard. He's, he's got all everything in front of him. If he can't make it work at the Eagles, there's a problem. Except the top running back. Yeah, and they need a running back. Over they there. do. But, but if you can't make it work with the Eagles, there's a problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and if you look at Kellen Moore's situation, I mean, I think this is a great situation for him. This makes a lot of sense. And then once again, Jalen Hurts is going to have to learn another offense from another, from a new yeah. coordinator. That's true. Yeah. He's used to it. But, right. and, and you know what I could see happening, though? It, what, what could happen here? And Nick Sirianni's seat is red hot after that big seat, late season meltdown. Oof. I you I could see him possibly possibly getting fired before the deadline and Kellen Moore ending up as the guy that takes over the spot because the Eagles their defense was their big problem at down the stretch there their offense was still good their defense was terrible yep. 32nd in the league in passing so I mean you you got to got to focus on that and and hope that they get the proper defensive coordinator in place to fix this shit well they got Vic Fangio yeah, they did pick up Vic Fangio, so we'll see if Fangio can do it. Yeah. You know, but I mean, they they got to fix it. And they got to pick up some good free agents. They need corners. Darius Slay ain't the guy anymore. No, he ain't. It. He's yeah, up. yeah. It, he's a he's a, a medium play Slay now. <laughs> yeah. 
And then uh, last but not least, the Chiefs, they hired the, or I'm sorry, the Panthers, rather, they hired the Chiefs Vice President of Football Operations, Brant Tillis, as oh, their man. Executive Vice President of Football Operations. The team announced Wednesday he is going to be taking care of business uh, as their GM. So, uh, yeah, Grant Tillis, I like this hire. That is Grant, yeah. Grant, very good hire. That's a very good hire. And and uh, the Panthers. May, yeah. maybe, maybe Bryce Young will finally get an offensive line worth a shit. Right, right. And and the Chiefs, they know how to find little gems. They know how to find diamonds in the rough there. Jerry Sneed. Yeah, buddy. Say no more, right? Yep, yep. Creed Humphrey in the second round. I mean, geez, oh, Pete's. I mean, Trey Smith. Yeah, the, the receivers, not the receivers, the corners. Rashi Rice. that they've got. Yeah, those were all late-round guys. Trent McDuffie. I mean, the late-round guy. Yeah, well, McDuffie was first round, if I'm not. I think he went 22nd overall. But still, like, great corner, right? I mean, you and I wanted McDuffie. I wanted the Vikings to draft McDuffie so bad when in that draft. I mean, like, and we saw what McDuffie's done, all pro. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, he's great at identifying players and, and offensive linemen, corners, things of that nature. You got the quarterback over there. If Bryce Young gets himself an offensive line, we might be having a different conversation about Bryce Young. Absolutely, so, we will. So, because he's the guy. He got, he's got it, yeah. right? As far as quarterback goes, he's the best. He was the best. Just pure quarterback. He was a winner. Yeah. Winner. You just got to <coughs> help the guy. Went winning. He's not, uh, he's not uh, C.J. Stroud, though. No. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> My rookie of the year. Yeah. But uh, moving into our running back prospects. Uh-huh. Our running back prospects. Uh-huh. I have my my uh, my. Uh, you know, sleepers, if you will. These are sort of sleepers, I mean, compared to to your list. Your list surprised me a little bit. Yeah? Yeah, a little bit. The A-list all-star. Yeah, that's year. that's that's what we're calling <laughs> the A-list all-stars. The A-list all-stars. <laughs> so uh, your list sort of surprised me a little bit when you sent it over. Um, I, I want to jump into your list be, and, and uh, talk a little bit about them. Uh, your A-list all-stars, as far as running backs go, let's talk about Braylon Allen first. He's your number one guy out of Wisconsin. I was surprised by this. He's a lot lower um, on the list as far as, uh, 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 you know, the the overall prospects. Uh, a lot of people have him, like, I've looked on, on a lot of a uh, lot of different scouting websites and whatnot. A lot of them have him listed as 9, 10, 11. Um, so I was surprised to see him as number one on your list. I know Wisconsin's sort of running back university. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. As much, much in the way that Iowa is tight end university. So, right, you're looking at with Braylon Allen. First of all, let me let me just say he broke onto the scene, 17 year old freshman, right? Over uh, 1,200 yards, right? Yep, six a six yard uh, six yard average. The second year with what 14 over 1,400 yards. Second team all Big Ten. The guy has got. The goods. Yeah. And this past season, when you looked at Wisconsin, th- it, this is a theme with, with the running backs that, that are on my list also. When you're looking at Wisconsin, they made wholesale changes from the the three yards in the cloud of dust type of, you know, run game that right. they were employing to, you know, we're going to throw it all over the yard, but we don't have the receivers. And, oh, by the way, we've got Tanner Mordecai, a transfer quarterback from SMU. That we're going to try to do this with. Yeah. No, 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 not going to work. And I saw it not going to work very early in the season. Right. But you know what did work? 
Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Dude, you just look up and the guy, he's got a field pass, right? Mm-hmm. He can get anywhere on the field at any given point in time. Right. Because he's a big back with speed, six foot, uh, six foot, 240 pounds. And he's, he kind of runs like Jonathan Taylor, right? right he yeah. kind of reminds me of Jonathan Taylor. Sort of Taylor. a power back in a yeah. way. Yeah. Power back with speed. And he's got field speed to where he does not lose speed throughout his run. Right. 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 I right. have never, I haven't seen any, anybody, you know, just straight up catching, hawking down from behind. Yeah. He does have that high motor. I, I, I like the way he goes right up through the trenches like that. He yes. lowers that shoulder. He's not afraid of contact, but he'll break arm tackles. Like it's yes. nobody's business. He's that guy. Yes. You know, and, and that's been a Wisconsin MO for a while. They get those power backs. And, and yeah. like you said, Jonathan Taylor is a great example. I, I yeah. loved watching Jonathan Taylor. In yes. Loved watching him. Yeah. Uh, especially, I mean, when he took on Michigan, he tore Michigan up. Yeah. You know, I, mean, right. I was like, hey, right. Jonathan Taylor. So, uh, number two on your list, Blake Corum out of the University of Michigan. I'm Blake Corum. I'm I'm surprised that I'm not. You know, uh, because mm-hmm. because Blake Corum, you know, he does have the the uh, uh, he does have the look, uh, uh, like as far as um, his, his numbers go. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm surprised he's two. Uh, especially, you know, looking at the other guys that are on your list, the guys that are on my list, I'm surprised he's two. Uh, but I, I understand it. Here's why. This is a common theme. When Michigan needed it, we talked about it in the show. Yep, yep. When in the national title game, when they needed it, who did they turn yep, to? They lean on Blake Corum. Yep. There you go. Yep. When you've got this supposed, you know, all-time great quarterback, J.J., oh, J.J., you <laughs> run the play. Oh, J.J. Right? When it's time to really hone in yep. and really make plays to win the game, Michigan has always turned to Blake Corum. Yes. Even with J.J. on the field. And Blake Corum, he's that pretty boy that the dudes we don't like because <laughs> he's pretty. <laughs> And he talks trash, and he acts like he ain't cocky, but he's cocky, right? Yeah, he is. He, right? But he acts like he isn't. But he backs up everything he says. Yeah. And you have to respect it. Yeah. You hate it. You hate it. <laughs> I think I think the, the problems for me when it comes to Blake Corum, and the reason I, I had him, I would have had him lower on my list. He would have been, like, if I was picking the top five, I would probably have him in my top five, but I'd have him probably around four or five. And, and mm-hmm. the only reason I would have him around four or five is because – um, the size, it, it sets off arms to me. Five, yep. 10, yep. 200, uh, five, 10, 210 pounds, but yep. he plays tough, tougher between the tackles than you think he is. Right. Right. And he, he reads to me more like a change of pace back in the pros yes. than he does in every down back. He's more of an RB two. Yeah. I will, I will definitely give you that, but dude has earned, earned every single stripe he's got. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can, I can see that. I can yeah. definitely see that. Um, number three, Trey Benson. You had him uh, out of Florida State. There, I like Trey Benson a lot. Yeah, I man. like Trey Benson. A lot. <laughs> I would have had him as like number two. I like Trey Benson. Yeah, Trey Benson uh, transferred actually to to Florida State from. Uh, 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 I, don't, I won't. Uh, anyway, he transferred in from Florida State. Right. He took over the job from uh, Treshawn Ward. Where did he come from? Was it Auburn? Mm. I'm, I'm gonna look it up now. Got to throw it in your Google machine, right? Yeah, it's getting, yeah. it's getting to me. Uh, but uh, Lawrence Torfeely 
uh, was supposed to take over after Treshawn Ward. Oh, it was all Oregon. Uh, Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go. It was supposed to be his his gig. Lawrence Torfili was even more yards than John Deere, right? Right. But Trey Benson came in and took over the gig and never turned back. So he's a, uh, a two-time All-ACC uh, competitor, second-team All-ACC, uh, 990 yards this year or last year, over 1,000 yards this year. And, again, common theme, mm-hmm. when Jordan Travis, the, the, the great quarterback from Florida State, went down, what happened? Trey Benson, baby. They leaned on Trey yeah. Benson, right? Even with Tate Rodemaker and the other in third string backup quarterback whose name escapes me, mm-hmm. with those last three, four, five games, Florida State needed Trey Benson, and they got everything that – all I know is every time I look up, he's running 40 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, he, right? he reads like an, a true RB1. He's yes. a workhouse, workhorse kind of guy. Yes, big, strong uh, lower body. Kind of uh, – you know, he gives me AP vibes. That's what he yes. gives me. Oh, that, that's a that's a compliment. Yeah, it's a big one. I, you know, he with the way the way he he, uh, he runs the ball, he's he's not afraid of contact either. He he lowers that shoulder. He pops guys pretty hard. You gonna um, tackle him from no with one arm? He'll drag. Ah, he'll drag you. Ah. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's yeah. it's like a moving car. Good goal line. Yeah. Oh man, at the goal line, he's incredible. Get so, get, yeah. get out of my way. Yeah, yeah, he gives he gives a big time backfield though, and yes. that's that's what I like about him. Uh, number four, Rasheen Ali, out of Marshall. Out of Marshall, I, this one surprised me. Yeah, not gonna lie, this one surprised me a lot. Yeah. Now Rasheen Ali again. Now here's here's a, a thing with explosive. Yeah. Just get, give him the ball. He'll make one or two moves, and then he's gone. Yep. Right. So you give me that guy. I'll take him nine times out of ten because the explosivity, explosivity, <laughs> you know, and again, long field speed. Right, right. Does not he, he's not breaking stride and he's not slowing down as the game is progressing and as his run is progressing. He's actually getting faster as he's as he's moving along. Right. So Rasheen Ali, he he comes in uh, very highly, highly ranked for me. Yep. And then last but not least, Kentucky's Ray Davis. Kentucky's Ray Davis. I have to say this. I have to say this, Scotty. No. No? <laughs> uh, upon further review, I love Ray Davis. Uh, Transferred from Vanderbilt, uh, over 1,000 yards there, comes to, comes to Kentucky, takes over the gig, and performs much better than expected, mm. especially against Florida and games against uh, Alabama as well. I have to take him off of the top five. Oh, boy. Oh. I'm sorry, Ray, but I have to replace him. Oh, boy. And this just happened this morning. Oh, boy. After much deliberation. Yeah. Number five, Cody Schrader, Missouri. Oh. Okay. Cody Schrader. I, I don't – I. I don't necessarily blame you. I Cody like it. I solid. like Cody Schrader, man. First team All America. I got. I, I call him Cody Shredder. Because <laughs> no. dude, he performs every. He runs hard between the tackles. Yep. Right. He he is tough to bring down. Mm-hmm. He has very good balance. He's a good. He's a really good overall running back. He transferred uh, from Division Two school. I, I'm forgetting. 
I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the Division II school that he transferred into. Into the SEC territory now. Yep, yep. And ripped went, it up. Went to the big show. Went to the big show. And when they and when the Missouri played against Ohio State in the bowl game, what happened? Yeah. Cody Schrader showed Show up, up and yep. showed out. So I love Ray Davis. Ray Davis, big, strong, good, strong back, good, good point of balance and, 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 and all that. Cody Schrader took his spot. Man, <laughs> well, with a with a track record like that, I mean, again, I'm not surprised. You know, especially if you can come to the SEC, come to the Big Show, and tear it up like that after coming from SVS. Yeah, solid, solid change. Solid, really good overall, all around running back, Cody Schrader. Yep. Welcome to the All Star A list. Yep. And then um, now it's time for a segment. Like, oh, yeah. oh boy! For a segment we like to call Raytown's Forgotten Five. Yeah, Freytown's Forgotten Five. Uh, this is a returning segment. I, I haven't done Freytown's Forgotten Five in a long time. It's been a couple of years actually, and uh, we're jumping into Freytown's Forgotten Five. Um, so my Forgotten Five. Uh, look, I'd be remiss. If I didn't include the number one running back prospect on this list, mm-hmm. Jonathan Brooks out of, mm-hmm. out, of, out of the University of Texas, mm-hmm. he's agile, man. He's got quick feet. Uh, he's one of the most elusive backs in this year's class. I watched him fake so many people out; it, it was wild. Very, and some of his moves when he gets past the line are like, it, dare I say it, they're Jameer Gibbs like. Oh, where, where, oh, I know, I know, I know. Oh, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Uh, he's capable as both. A, he's a, a good runner out of the backfield. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. He's able to escape tacklers. He wiggles free after initial contact, which I like a lot. Um, he's, I think he's capable of being an efficient zone runner outside of the tackles as well as through the trenches. Um, I think he'd be a better zone runner and a downhill power and, and, and then a downhill power runner. To be honest with you, yeah. uh, is he, he'll, my problem with him is he only had one season of a major workload. Right. That's that's my big issue with him. Uh, he only had one. Was there. Right. He only had one complete season. Uh, he didn't see a lot of tough defenses playing at Texas. He tries hard, hard to press the issue for big plays that just simply aren't there, as opposed to taking like the surefire yardage, which and it gets him swallowed up in the backfield. He's trying to make something yeah. too much of something. Um, and then his cutbacks aren't as good as one would like. You know, swinging to the outside, he'll be he'll be going to the outside. That thing starts collapsing, and instead of just cutting in, he just he won't do it. He, yeah, he, he wants to continue to yeah, stretch it. Yeah, he wants no. to. Yeah, he wants to continue with a sweep. Yeah. Uh, and his frame could use a little more weight. He's only two hundred and two pounds, uh, so he's a smaller guy. He's. I mean, he's fast. He, he's a good zone runner. I, I mean, he he's good downhill. I just, I got questions about Brooks a little bit. It's. I want to see more. I want to see put more. on fifteen pounds and be just as good. Yeah, I want to see if. It, I, w- I almost wish he would have spent one more year at college. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wish he would have just spent one more year at Texas just to see if he could do it again. Right. If he could do it again, I would be way more sold on him as, you know, and, and I have him as my number one here Yeah. because he's the number one prospect coming into this draft because he was effective with Texas and I can see something special. But, you know, I would be 10 times more sold on him if we saw one more year. And, right. and and I think he, he's kind of capitalizing on the idea that, hey, I just had a big year, like you know, and, and that's kind of what he's doing. 
Uh, number two, this is a guy that I love. I'm crazy I about know, him, man. and I love <laughs> this guy. Marshawn Lloyd out of USC, baby. Look, yeah. look, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a USC guy, okay? But no, Lloyd is good. Lloyd's good. Look, this guy had uh, 820 yards on just 116 attempts, okay? And, and that's a 7.1 average. He had nine touchdowns before suffering an injury this year. He's special. He's, he's a fast straight line runner. He's got he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. He was showing that in, in the senior bowl practices I was watching. My God, every every moment he got in a, it got open, man, they were just I mean, it was beautiful. He was turning his body, making the catch, turning up field. It was excellent. He has good vision. He's becoming more capable of following the pulling guards uh, and makes his cuts than he was in previous seasons. Previously, he used to get swallowed up. I saw it, but especially this year. You know, yeah. those times, man, there were occasions where he would he the guard would be doing a pull and he would just I mean, follow him right in. I, I loved it. He's capable of running both inside and outside the trenches. It makes him a scheme fit for just about any NFL offense. He identifies uh, blitzes as a pass protector. He's capable of picking them up. He he's kind of like the real deal, but nobody's looking at him because the numbers don't dictate it because he got hurt, you know, and, and yeah. it's it's unfortunate. Um, he could use work as a run blocker, which could hamper him in offenses that do have running quarterbacks. So, you know, like Baltimore probably wouldn't have a, much of a use for him. But he identifies and picks up blitzes and pass protection. He's more of a cut blocker rather than a stand-up blocker, though. So you you, you got to yeah, get, yeah. get him better with his hands. And that's how a lot of running backs are. But you got to make get him using his hands a little more effectively. They'll make him like they used to. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then he, he's going to need to make uh, decisions quicker at the line of scrimmage. That's that's a big thing for him. Is is you know he's trying to be patient, but there's a moment where you're being too patient. Yeah. You know, make your move. You know, you, it's it, it's not chess. You know, right. <laughs> it's a, it's time chess. Like right. that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, Marshawn, uh, Marshawn uh, trans uh, transferred from uh, South Carolina to uh, USC. Yes, he did. Uh, he had a his freshman year ended up uh, torn tearing. Sorry, sorry, having a <laughs> ting ting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he ended up uh, tearing. Uh, I believe it was ACL, a uh, torn ACL. I believe it was. Yep, his uh, freshman year uh, South Carolina. But he came back and he ended up uh, running with over 500 yards, I believe, five to 600 yards. He led uh, South Carolina in rushing that when he came back that following season. But he did put a, a good amount of, of on tape. And I like him, but here comes the health yeah, concern. Yeah, availability right? and reliability. Yes. Mm-hmm. thing about me, about uh, Marshawn Lloyd that kind of – you know, gives me a little bit of pause. Yeah. We'll see, but he's very good. I, I could see it. Fast. Yeah. Oh, faster than hell. And yeah. and when he breaks out, like there there were occasions with USC where he broke out. He he likes to slip between the tackle and the guard. Yeah. That's that's his favorite spot. You want it like I watch him just slip out like that. And I'm like, oh, there he goes. Yeah. And he's just gone. You know, and there there were some some big play moments from USC for him. But again, availability and reliability, that's gonna be the big thing for him. Uh, number three is a guy I really like, and and mm. Irving out of Oregon. Yep, I I like Bucky Irving. Uh, two straight seasons over a thousand yards. He possesses just I mean breakneck speed. I mean this guy he's it, he accelerates and it, it just immediately screams big playability. Um, he'd be an excellent outside zone runner. Yep. Uh, he can hit top speed like it's just nobody's business. 
Um, he's a good receiver. He's got great hands. He fights through tackles. He keeps them legs churning. He's fighting for additional yardage. He always falls forward. I love that. Reminds me of James Cook. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, the cons on him, the acceleration and speed are great, but he can't seem to slow down or change direction. Like he gets his, his straight line speed, like he gets going and it's yeah. like, oh, it's time to, time to slow down and make a little cut move yeah. that ain't happening now like, like he's just gone <laughs> yeah. um uh, pass blocking skills he does need work there um we're gonna we're gonna need to see it like he'll see a running lane and he'll get into it and he gets scared like as it's collapsing you know like it, it it's like a guy pops up there and he gets like spooked real quick and has to just exit that lane and it's like yeah. you can't do that just follow through go through your lane find your spot um, NFL teams may want him to put on more size, but there are questions about whether or not he's able to going to ma- maintain that speed while having the added weight on his frame. Right. So, so there's questions about that. Um, I like Bucky Irving a lot. I, you know, faster than hell, yeah. just fast. I mean, like, like if you want, he, he might make a good kick return, you know, in the NFL, at the NFL level. I mean, just running, you know, super fast down the line, but like, I, I like Bucky. I'm 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 a big fan of his, um, but not as much as my number four guy. Who who I I I think Irving could be better. I think he's a, a better prospect speed wise, but given the pedigree and and given the team, I like number four too. Audrey Estime, yes, Notre Dame. <laughs> yes. and and a lot of it comes from the success we saw from Kyron Williams this last year. Look, I like Audrey Estime. Uh He's a workhorse RB one. He had 1,341 yards, 18 touchdowns on 210 carries. He had a 6-4 average in 2023. I mean, damn. Um, Prototypical size for an RB1. Gives him the ability to break tackles. He runs well in the trenches. uh, And and he can block. He can pass protect. He's a power runner. Pushes through contact. He falls forward. He's almost always gaining positive yards. Yeah, buddy. He's agile in open space. He's got the capability to make tacklers miss uh, with like the stop and go stuff, man. He's he's agile as hell. Uh, needs work as a pass catcher and a route runner. You know, we we got done talking about AP type feel, right? Yeah. This guy gives me an Adrian Peterson feel. He's not a pass catcher. He's no. a runner. You're gonna hand he's the ball. Straight. Yeah. Stick stick the ball in his gut and let him do it. You know. Uh, he locks. He lacks an extra gear that gives him that breakaway speed in the open field. He gets chased down from behind quite often. Um, he, he's got fumbling issues. Again, this is uh, AP. <laughs> this is just freaking AP. Uh, in, in key games, mind you, these fumbles come. Mm-hmm. AP, yeah. NFC title game. That's the uh, worst. Oh. And he, he does have uh, to refine some of his pass blocking game uh, from a technique standpoint. He's another one of those cut blocker type of guys. From a technique standpoint, he's got to get his hands up, and he's got to start using his hands properly. And, and when he doesn't, because he doesn't have that technique down, that pass blocking technique with his hands, right. these these uh, more efficient, more efficient and better defensive ends have a tendency to just kind of run them over. I notice. So uh, there's that. Um, Audrey Gestamik. I like Audrey. Oh man, mm-hmm. I, I, I yes. the more I watched him, the more I liked him. And and I could I could easily, if I wanted to, flip flop him and Bucky Irving. I think they're both excellent. Ex, you know, and it really it depends what what system they go to. To yeah. be honest. Audric, you know, you you put him in a power run system, and he'll be excellent. Gold, say Baltimore. Gold, ball. Oh my God, yeah. him in Baltimore. Oh, 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 oh God, in Baltimore. Oh, Philly. Put him in. You know, you can put him in a lot of different 
areas and you'd be just fine. Yep. And a guy that, that is getting notoriety because of his dad, but it's still kind of overlooked is number five, Frank Gore Jr. I like Frank Gore Jr. Me too. And, you know, he's, Me he's not too. the biggest dog in the fight. Okay. No. But he's certainly he's, the oldest. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, his two, dad certainly is. Two straight thousand yard seasons, uh, nine touchdowns and 10 touchdowns. Other miss. Yep. He's a great. He's got straight line speed. He's got the ability ability to make defenders miss. Open tackles, uh, open field tackles. He's got decent run blocking skills in spite of his smaller size, um, particularly on the edge and pass protection. He's really really right. good. Uh, he runs well through traffic. He's elusive. He makes his way through those smaller lanes because of his smaller frame. He's got a low center of gravity. He also has the ability to break arm tackles. He's a great pass catcher. He's explosive when he turns up field. Um, the, he had a, a, a game uh, during the Shrine Bowl. He had a, a just 49-yard touchdown run yeah. that was just glorious. Just super fun to watch. Comes up, sees the A gap going bye-bye, sees the B gap going bye-bye, kicks it outside, boom, gone off to the races, see you later, touchdown. It was excellent. Yeah. He's got great vision. He's patient. Uh, he would benefit from a zone run scheme like outside, but – you know, he, he at the NFL label level, he's not going to be like a power back. You no, know, he's not going to be a pile pusher, nothing like that, uh, because of his smaller stature. He's got a problem seeking out contact, though. That's that's an issue for him. Even though he's a smaller guy, he's like it's almost like a Napoleon complex yeah. that he's got going. Um, he didn't face tough talent at the college level playing at Southern Miss. Uh, the talent level really wasn't there, and he could show better blocking technique in both blocking and pass protection. He could pick it up. He can do it. But we got to see better technique out of him. But I, I mean, Frank Gore Jr. Man, he's he's got a lot of people talking, a lot of people looking. And if you need somebody to throw the ball, he can do that too. Yeah, because yeah. Southern Miss had, had an issue with the quarterbacks, and they ended up having to use uh, Frank Gore Jr. at the uh, quarterback <laughs> spot for a little bit. <laughs> uh, and he actually did all right. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Um, so yeah, Frank Gore Jr. is my number five on that. Great Town's forgotten five. So, uh, and those are our top running back prospects. I'm sorry, Ray Davis. Yeah, Ray Davis, unfortunately. Cody Schrader takes Slides it. off. But uh, we're, we're going to – I wanted to jump into the 150 uh, free agents. I think I'm going to save that for next week because we are going a little long here. Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the top 150 free agents next week. We got the Super Bowl. We're gonna, Well, two weeks now. We're going to be uh, – next week is Super Bowl. The following week we'll, we'll be jumping into Super Bowl free agency. More of our, yeah, more of our, our um, uh, prospects here. We're going to be, well, I think next week we're going to jump into the tight end prospects. Yeah. So we'll, we'll jump into those top five tight ends for, uh, for boots here. It'll be the top of the, my, my forgotten five tight ends. So we'll, we'll see that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how we're going to do things. Uh, Alex, man, hell of a show. I'm, I'm uh, excited to be coming up and joining you in Traverse city. Yep. I'm, I'm excited and happy there for the for the for those pulled pork nachos. It's Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl season. Yeah, it's Super Bowl time. I'm I'm amazed that it's here already. It's here. <clears throat> I feel like this season just blew by. I know, man. Yeah. Absolutely. We've been talking all the because we've been talking all the time. Yeah, we were talking. I'm always. I feel like I'm always talking football these days. Right. You know, that's yeah. uh, you know. It's it's part of. But we love it. Yeah, it's part of life now. We were talking. People been talking about us. Yeah, it's a huge part of life at this point. Yes, old football, and it's been a wonderful time for me here. Good, yeah. No, we we love having you. 
We love having you. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, that you've been a part of the show. I'm, I'm like, this has been a really, honestly, a really consistent thing. It's been fun. We, you know, and, and we're just building up a, a listenership here. People are, are listening in. People want to listen to what we have to say. It's nice, you know, and, and it's always fun. Like, like a week after I log in, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll log into to SoundCloud and I'll go to upload our thing and then it'll tell us how many listens we had. And I'm just yeah. like, damn. Look at that. Look at that. We a couple hundred this week. Yeah, look at that. So I mean we're we're getting out there and people are listening and people want to hear what we have to say. They're they're interested in our football takes and I love it. And I don't you know, know why. Hey, you know what? We're doing good stuff. Even on Freighton Island, <laughs> we're doing fun stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so one of our buddies, uh, Zach Miller, went and called me Scotty Bayless this week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how true that is. But I think it's, I mean, I, I think I'm pretty, I think I'm better than Skip. But anyway. You are. Uh, you are. Yeah, you're, but, you're a better heel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that's the case. I mean, you won't be seeing me throw my jersey in the garbage can like he does every other time the Cowboys lose. But, you know. <laughs> but anyhow, um, that's our show. Uh, before we take off out of here, let, first of all, Boots, let's talk about books. Mm, meet those things that I don't read. Yeah, and the well, things I need to sit on in order to see over the steering wheel when I drive. <laughs> but but you did read this one. I did read this one. Yeah, it was called "I Ate Cookies Out of the Trash." Yeah, by uh, Tammy Pruitt. New, wonderful new author, Tammy Pruitt. Yeah, uh, she brings forth a lot of uh, heavy heavy subjects. You know, she deals with them in a lighthearted way, in a way that to allow you to be able to deal with them in your own way. Uh, Issues with your weight, self-esteem, anything that you may be going through, this is a wonderful read to try to, you know, get you to the other side of what you may be uh, going through. So it is inspirational, but it is funny, it is factual, and it reads like a conversation, not a boring one either, not like you're talking to me. You're talking to the great Tammy Pruitt. I ate cookies out of the trash. You can only get this thing online. Cannot just walk into a store and ask for it. They'll look at you like you got steamy turds hanging out of your mouth. Got to hop up uh, there on the dot coms. It's fourteen ninety. It, it's fourteen ninety nine to your Kindle. Available instantly. Uh, a little bit, you know, fifteen ninety nine if you want to pay back. But get on out there. Go get this book. Damn right. BarnesandNoble.com, Apple.com, Amazon.com. Go to the dot com. Yeah, I ate cookies out of the trash. Yeah, check it so out. So will you? <laughs> yeah, check it out. I ate cookies out of the trash. And also, um, want to give a shout out to Face Kicked Apparel. Our boy Sean Stockmeyer, his wonderful wife Lisa, doing excellent stuff over there. Uh, all of your custom hats, hoodies, t-shirts, pants, you name it, you pick it, they stick it over at facekickedapparel.com. You can get all your custom clothing done. Alex, I know you're getting some excellent shirts done over there by Sean and his, his wonderful wife. Uh, and, and, uh, I know you've been very happy with the quality of them. I have one of your shirts. I wear it quite often. Uh, mm-hmm. check out facekickedapparel.com and boots as per the norm. Get your face kicked in with savings. Thank you, sir. Also, I uh, want to give a shout out to Patch Miracle Photography, the best, the best photographers in the Metro Detroit area. You know, these guys, they do wedding photos. They do graduation photos. They do baby pictures. They do maternity photos. They do engagement pictures. They, they do 
you know, family photos, if you want your Christmas photos done, mm. if you're looking for just artsy photos, if you're if you're looking to get a sexy boudoir shoot for that special someone in your life, check it out. PatchMiraclePhotography.com. They are excellent. Uh, uh, you know, Andrew is wonderful wife, Chantel. They do awesome work over there. They're the, just the nicest people. They're going to make your day wonderful. For If you get them for your wedding day, we had them for our wedding day. I, I always tell people we had them for our wedding day. They've done our baby pictures. They mm -hmm. did the, the babies. We have our twins. You know, they did the twins' first birthday photos. I mean, they've done all of our photos, and they've all been wonderful. They didn't just duplicate one picture and say it was the twins. They actually <laughs> <laughs> right. They actually took care and put it in there. Yeah, yeah, man. They they go out there. They they edit these pictures to make you look like a supermodel half the time. I mean, they they it was the best I've looked at a picture in a long time. Uh, they're high quality. They do awesome work. They make your your day extra special. The wedding was excellent, and they were just wonderful and just a pleasure to have at the wedding and a pleasure as a photographer. They were absolutely professional, hundred percent of the way. Uh, check it out, patchmiraclephotography.com, or you can check them out at Patch Miracle Photography on Facebook. I just, like I said, I highly recommend uh, them and uh, their wonderful work. So if you need a photographer in the Metro Detroit area, check them out, Patch Miracle Photography. Also, I'm going to give a shout out to I It's Your Time Massage, IYTMassage.com, uh, the best massage therapist around. Amanda is tremendous, does awesome Swedish deep tissue massage and deep tissue massages. She does the uh, the CBD oil. If you want CBD oil, you can get that. You can. She does paraffin wax. She does cupping. Uh, man, she is the best of the best for all of us professional wrestlers out there. We, I mean, hey, you know what? She's excellent at what she does. IYTMassage.com. You can find her at It's Your Time LLC on Facebook. And uh, Boots, it's my understanding you're getting a massage soon. I, I, I am. Yeah, I'm fired up for you, man. I'm excited I'll, for you. I'll, I'll, I'll bring out the, the the survey card. Yeah, absolutely. It's your time massage. She's gonna get you right, man. She takes good care of you. You know, I I always recommend like I we got a lot of wrestling buddies and whatnot. We've had a, a few. Our good friend Verdi, man, he got his, his <laughs> himself a massage. He needed it, and he comes in every now and then, gets himself a massage. Loves every second of it. So I just like I said, check her out. It's your time massage. Iytmassage.com. Get yourself a massage. And remember, it's your time. So take care of it. Yeah. Also, want to talk about Steel Twins Gaming. Alex, what do you got yep. going on over there at Steel Twins Gaming? Oh, nothing. Just our most anticipated project of the new year. Monday, February, Monday, February 5th at 6.30 p.m. on the Facebook on the Twitcher, on the Tubu, uh, the Cannon and the Cannonball are going to come back once again. We're running it back. It's voice acting season, yeah, and uh, the um, and we will be uh, we will be doing the uh, Apollo Justice trilogy, starting with uh, Apollo Justice Ace Attorney, uh, and the case that we're going to be working on. This first case is said to be one of the top five cases. In the entire Ace Attorney series, we we we've been talking about it on on our gaming channel for weeks and weeks. It's finally here. I I can't wait. You know, I've already posted it on Facebook, and we already agreed at six thirty on Monday. We're moving to Mondays, so uh, we're gonna see how that works out. But uh, I can't wait to start. And you know, on top of on top of voice acting, you know, every once in a while, you probably see me throw something else on, and you know, if if uh, 
I was playing Banjo Kazooie the other day, and and Matt and Maddie and Alex, uh, shout out to them, my friends, um, you know, recommended it, and it was kind of a nice throwback too. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm actually, you know, I love watching you guys' stuff, I, and and I'm actually very excited for that Apollo Justice series. I I've been I've been waiting with bated breath for this whole thing. So as soon as you said February fifth, I'm like, yeah, buddy, guess who's tuning in. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, buddy, I'm, I'm excited for that. Check it out, Steel Twins Gaming. Also, our, our shout-out to No Shot Bot TV, formerly known as Big Willie Dubs Gaming. No Shot Bot, baby. Check out Will. He's doing awesome stuff over there. A lot of Call of Duty stuff going on. I know he's uh, got a little little hiatus happening right now. He's getting a new, he just gotten a new house. So, congratulations. Yeah, homeowner. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, homeowner, first time. So, congratulations to him. Um, very excited for him. I know when he gets back on and he gets start, starts getting fired up, we're going to be seeing a lot more of, of his stuff. So check it out. No shot bot TV. You can also, uh, you can also find him on, uh, um, the TikToks. man. I always like the TikToks over there. No shot. Bot TV. So check it out. And, uh, folks, that's our show. Yep. We, we, and then, and then there was one, one, I, I, I think I, I, is there, I think we will have a, a Super Bowl preview show, uh, next, oh. I mean, I know we kind of touched on it uh, so, this so week. Actually, the the uh, we're not going to have a Super Bowl preview show. We're going to have a post Super Bowl show uh, the following week. We're going to go to our two week format. So okay. um, for moving forward for throughout the off season, we go to our two week format. We're going to be talking a little bit more about free agency. We're going to have our our free agency day episode, which is going to be entertaining. So we're going to wind up getting together for that. So uh, we'll, we'll all uh, touch base as far as that goes. Free agency day stuff going on. We're going to be talking about our, um, you know, our, our NFL draft episodes. The draft is downtown this year. It, it, oh yeah, our I'll, ha- I'll, I'll have my beer goggles on. Yeah, uh, buddy, it's uh, it's going to be right in our backyard. We're going to be talking a lot about that. What's going to be cool is, you know, not only are we going to be capable of going downtown and, and downtown Detroit and seeing that draft, but on top of it, we're going to be able to come back and and record. You know, and we're going to actually be able to talk about the different rounds of the draft. Also, coming in 2025, I'm excited to announce this because this is the this, this is how the decision has been made. Um, 2025, February of 2025, um, and and I'm going to try and and if, if drag you two with me. I'm going to officially be going to the NFL Combine the okay. end of uh, at the end of February in 2025. Going to the Combine. What drills are you going to do? Well, <laughs> probably, probably but, running up to the hot dog stand and getting a a, you know, a coney and a and some onions. Yeah, I'll be I'll be I'll be climbing the steps to go do that, yeah, you right, know, and, right. and then I'll also be doing twelve ounce curls. That, see how many of those I can do, you right, know. So right. that that'll be good. so we'll be doing twelve ounce curls. But um, yeah, beyond that, the the so we'll be we'll be attending the combine in 2025. So that'll be next year. So a year, you know, like the combine's usually at the end of February. So I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's February 27, 25 through March 2nd of 25. So I'm I'm excited through, for that one. Um, but that's an, an official thing. I, I will be going. All right. So hope everybody's excited for that. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, we're we're going to be doing some cool stuff. The draft is is coming. The off-season stuff is coming. I'm excited. We're going to see more. Uh, obviously, the coaching carousel is still swinging around. You know, it's mm-hmm. starting to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the head coaching vacancies are are gone. But, you know, we still got a lot of coordinator vacancies. We got a lot of teams scrambling to fill their staffs out. Yeah. So we're going to be hearing more about that. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about players getting released here pretty soon, you know, and, and when the league year starts, it's going to, it's going to get crazy. We know it's going to get crazy. So I hope everybody's excited. Uh, free agency though. Well, Super Bowl is on the list. We'll be talking about the Super Bowl two weeks now moving forward. Every two weeks is going to be our, our show until the regular season begins, in which case we'll be jumping back into a weekly format. But in the off season, we always go every two weeks because things kind of slow down a little bit. Okay. News kind of slows down a little bit. Okay. It's a little light. That's okay. But we'll be all right. So, uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Alex Boots, we'll see you after the Super Bowl. We'll be talking to you guys. Uh, uh, it, our, our next show, it, it's going to be a, a week from from uh, from the 10th. So we're talking probably February 17th is when our next recording is going to be. So two weeks from today. All right. And that's when we'll jump in. So that's our show. Um, folks, thank you so much for listening. We're sticking to it. Yeah, buddy. Every two weeks forward. We'll see you next time right here on the Outside Blitz. You're probably talking about us. You're the only thing to talk about. Ciao!